Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello. Talk Recorded live. A-U-N American Underground Network The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood Simply put They want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger lie, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point, that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Thank you, everyone. I'm I'm broadcasting from Chicago, which is draft town. Uh, The NFL draft started tonight, and we're going to be talking with Jim Condit for the entire night tonight because we want to draft every able-bodied American for Jim Condit's Network America program. I just signed up on the website. It's a very exciting program. Jim has been on this call many times. He is an original founder, activist, supporter of this call, and we are so blessed to have him as a regular. It's been uh, more than a few months since he's been on the call, and uh, if you'll recall, uh, Congressman Trafficant and him uh, were together and, and uh, uh, the unfortunate untimely death of, of Congressman Trafficant uh, took place and Jim was, uh, was recounting blow by blow his last days. That's when he was on the call earlier that last year. 
So the draft is happening here in Chicago. The draft is happening for liberty and uh, and justice all over the world. And I think it starts with the kind of spirited individuals that Jim Condit truly exemplify. His entire life has been for this cause, for peace, for truth, and for the cause of justice. Jim, I hope you're on in the background. You said you'd be I'm, I'm on. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, thank you so much, Jim. Well, sorry, I'm sorry I'm late here. I'm, I'm I'm sorry I'm a little bit late getting in. So, no, we appreciate it. Let me just read the last sentence. Uh, your precinct strategy, and then the seven the seven objectives of the seven principles of liberty. I want you to read later, but you state here's the only peaceful and constitutional strategy to take back the USA from the evil ruling elite around the internet. Fed, Goldman Sachs, IMF, etc., who have grasped so many of the levels of power in the USA and around the world. So, Jim, you've been at this for so long. I think it sounds like we're coming together. The website looks great. Thanks again for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Fred. Noise problem. I don't know if it's you, Jim, or if it's you, Fred. Uh, just some scratchy, kind of catchy. Okay, Dee Dee, hi. Can, can you can you hear me loud and clear or not? Yes. Okay. All righty. Um, so, Fred, do, do you want do you, do you, do you want how do you want to start? Do you want me to just start well, talking you know, about all the things on the docket? You have this book, this ebook that's coming out. That's number one. You can talk a little bit about that, and then this NetworkAmerica.org website for people to sign up. It's really the sort of a distillation of, of, of so many things that have that have uh, that you've been involved with over the years, and uh, you know one of one of the pillars of, of what you want to achieve obviously is honest elections. That's in one of the seven principles of liberty. But uh, tell us what's going on with this Network America project and, and how we can all fit in. Okay, and I'll tie in the book. And for at any time, I'm not coming in loud and clear. Then tell me, Dee Dee, so I can uh, I can do something else. But usually this works on a conference call. Um, yeah, you sound really loud. In fact, if anything, you can slightly turn down a bit. But you're yeah, fine. Yeah, it's really loud. It seems to be a little bit amplified. Okay, hold on. Uh, hold on one second. Let's see if we. I, I don't even know if this will do the do the trick here, but let me try it. Take the edge. Does it sound there. better now or not? A little bit less edgy. Okay, well, let me try something else then. Oh, I think does, it's better, though. Does it, okay, does this sound better? Yeah, that's well, great. Okay, then that, that means, yeah, some of the conference calls, the speaker thing doesn't doesn't work. I was on the speaker. This new cell phone I had to get because the old screen died. Sometimes it's good and sometimes not with the speaker, so I'll just hold it, no, hold it up. Per- perfect that's, here. That's much better. Okay, now, and I just as well as on there in, in, uh, in Carolinas, and, and of course Fred and Didi, and thanks for keeping the call going. Uh, I, I um, uh, let, let me tie in the, the little e. I'm hearing some latency. Like his voice is disappearing. Yeah, and you sound kind of muffled too, Fred. I. I am. Maybe it's my phone. Uh, Dee Dee, do I sound muffled? No, you're fine. And Steve, Fred was fine too until just a second ago. But I think we should just proceed on and and make you know. And if we have a problem, we could go back to it. But Dee Dee, I don't I don't think you you, you muted everybody. 
Well, no, everybody's muted. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, so so I will, and you just speak up, and if this still doesn't sound clear, hear thing can't hear it, then I can try one other thing, which is calling on a landline. Um, but at any rate, this usually works better. So uh, anyway, after much uh, long vision of having something up on the internet, it would allow every able-bodied American to organize each other with no gatekeepers. Uh, and I had envisioned this in my head. Maybe I don't know if anybody else. If all of you did, but I envisioned this in my head since like 2002, once you started to get the possibilities of the internet. But I couldn't, didn't they? Uh, um, uh, certain people in the business say it cost $30,000 to get it up, and I never had that kind of money to break loose, even in, in uh, increments. And then also, uh, we had people trying, really good folks that, that, that were involved with Guardians for Liberty and watched the vote, trying to get it up. But it wasn't until someone you know, I think some of you know, and that, that you probably should consider having on in a month or two because she's rolling out other incredible stuff is Nikki Nelson of Arizona. She's a homeschool mother from Arizona. And uh, we worked together on Watch the Vote. I heard her on the phone with 50 other people. Her voice kind of stands out, but she, I didn't know she had all this uh, business savvy. And then she was working on the uh, – she she became really totally engaged in all the issues during a year ago when there was the uh, – Palestine was under heavy attack in that, in that last fracas between Israel and Palestine. So she got all involved in that. And then she and her little, you know, coterie they said, well, when we get done – when this dies down, we're going to help Jim Trafficant and Jim Condit because she knew that I was working with Trafficant. Well, then a few weeks after – or even a week or two after she got in touch with me, Trafficant – has the untimely and still somewhat quizzical accident, which maybe we'll touch on before the, we're over here. And so she then, uh, I rolled out um, what I had hoped we were going to accomplish, and she she saw the vision, and she she is really the one that pulled together with a team, Network America. And NetworkAmerica.org is a place where right now, if right now, 600,000 Americans wanted to sign up. I mean, I guess there'd be a little bit of a clog, but they could do it. What she's got built there with the, with her little team of programmers and whoever else, she's got built every, you know, the nationwide group. If you go to networkamerica.org, okay, uh, then I will, I, I'll, I'll refer to that. If you're at a computer and you want to pull up networkamerica.org, or you could follow along a little bit. But uh, NetworkAmerica.org is a, where there's, of course, there's a national group, and then there's all 50 states, and then there is 3,141 counties, okay, all the counties in every state. And then somehow she and the programmers got done that there is 18,000 shell groups in each of those counties. So you got... In every county, you got Democrat, Republican, Constitution Party, Libertarian Party, and Independent, meaning no party. And people can start their own group. So, for instance, Lori Stacy, who some of you may be aware of in uh, in, in uh, South Dakota, she has started a group called Crush the Duopoly, where she wants to crush the Democrat and Republican Party, and she wants to work through third parties. Now, I'll comment if we have time on where the where the third parties come in and where the Democrat and Republican impose themselves on us, the, those parties. But so if if you go there, you'll see that. Well, first of all, 
uh, at networkamerica.org, you, you'll see that there's uh, a place for you know home, and I've, on the home page is a six-minute whiteboard animation uh, video called "There Is a Plan Part One." There is a plan Part One to take back the republic, and that's six-minute whiteboard animation video kind of tells what Network America is about. Part two, which isn't out yet, will be exactly. Okay, I want to, you know, I'm Susie Smith or Johnny Jones. I want to run for precinct. That'll be telling them exactly what to do. Okay, in in, in their in their county, so they can get the act run. Idea Network. We have so you got to start somewhere. We have 80 to 90 people, and I think I just saw Fred sign up here. And you're in there, and then you can pick your state, of course, your county, and then if you want to pick one of the existing groups, you don't have to, but if you want to pick one of the existing groups, the purpose is to let people meet online and then meet in person. So if I could snap my fingers right now, we would want to have county groups running in each county, and and, and in other words, we would want to have 3,000 groups of people that met. And then some of them, if we had enough people, might go into the Republican Party, some into the Democratic Party, some third party. And some might a coin that Fred Smart uh, uh, coined, a term that Fred Smart coined, neighborhood lighthouses. And that is a uh, – I don't know if it's pointing here yet, but we'll also have, we also have neighborhoodlighthouse.com that will be pointing to Network America and uh, it means, you know, be a lighthouse in your neighborhood, be an, a source of light and enlightenment and education in your neighborhood. So even if we had a few hundred thousand people that were just doing that and directing people in their neighborhood precinct to Network Americas and the other websites where they could get involved and get informed around the big media, that would be that would be good. So the shell is now right there. You know, we only have 80, 90 people in at the moment. Because you've got to start somewhere. But the shell is there right now. If 6,000 or 60,000 or 600,000 people, and the reason I'm using 600,000 is I think there's about 300,000 precincts. And so 600,000 people could, could challenge both the Democrat and the Republican Party. There's no reason that the Democratic Party should be the Communist Party for the rest of our life, and there's no reason the Republican Party should be the Wall Street Party for the rest of our life. Get normal Americans, constitutionalists in there, uh, you know, uh, believe in the Bill of Rights and the true freedoms of the Constitution, checks and balances, and make both parties good. And then you'd be maybe just wrangling over how to best implement certain programs. Uh, but you would uh, just like right now, the two parties being arms of Wall Street and Goldman Sachs and the Federal Reserve Board and so forth. They're argue they're they're wrangling on how 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 fast or slow we're going to move towards some kind of a new uh, quasi police state type of a situation. So. The shell is there, though, and if right tonight and this week 600,000 people came in, then we would be on the field for the first time. Um, the the um, uh, I'm say that if you watch, you know, you're going to see that there's already successes that we're able to point to. For instance, in 2012 in Boone County, Kentucky, for me, uh, a guy, Rick Brueggemann and his crew, unbeknownst to me, uh, took over the Republican Party there. So we use that as an example. Rick gave me credit after the meeting. They had a, they won, and then they had a Christmas dinner, and they had Judge Andrew Napolitano come in and speak at their Christmas dinner in 2012. And he is truly a good man and, and a constitutionalist, as most of you probably know. Um, and he, he, he was the speaker, 
And there's a picture of Rick and him sitting there before the event starts, talking at one of the tables at the at the uh, hall where they had the dinner. They had about, I think they had about 500, 600 people. So they took over the Republican Party of uh, of, of uh, Boone County, Kentucky, named after Daniel Boone. Um, so that was one one success. And then another one was in 2014. We got this in the video. In Warren County, Ohio, which is borders my county of Hamilton County, Ohio, where Cincinnati is. Warren is a kind of a quasi-rural, quasi-city uh, county, but it's got a lot of people. And it's, uh, Mason, Ohio, and Kings Island is there, and a big, big, you know, not a, not the biggest cities, but it's it's a big county, not one of the smallest. So the Tea Party took over. They, <laughs> this was basically a Tea Party effort. They took over um, Warren County in 2014. Guy named I think his name. If I got his name right, I think it was. I know it's uh, Warwick. W a r i r r i c k. I think it's Rick Warwick, but I wouldn't swear to the Rick. And he was elected chairman. And they were tutored. Uh, I was going to say Brueggemann uh, after the dinner there with a number of people talking to him. Somebody said, "How did you do this?" How did you know to do this? And he, I, I'm going to tell you, I guess, to brag a little bit. He pointed at me, and he said, "That guy." He said, "I learned in 1990 how the precinct thing worked from him," and uh, then he went ahead and did it. I didn't, and I had nothing to do with what they did in the last two years. But, um, and I said when he said that, I said, "Well, I learned from a guy named Dick Rensler here who came up to me and said in 1986, you know, we should be in the precincts." And I said, what do you mean? And so he put me on to a guy named Rick Heron, who is probably the number one tutor in the country on precinct. And Rick actually was speaking to and guiding the Warren County group, okay? And you can probably find videos of Rick on YouTube or at least his essay on our site and other sites. But he's probably the number one explainer of this, and he does a great job and very simply. And so he was teaching the Warren County people. Now, why am I emphasizing that? Because... Warren County, they took over 100 of the 166 precincts in Warren County. There's 166 precincts. Their people won 100 of the positions, and they elected all the leaders, and they elected the chairman, which was this Mr. Warwick fellow. And they had in um, Rand Paul and um, I believe uh, the, the uh, Senator Lee. Is it Senator Lee from? Uh, uh, from from uh, in the Utah, I think. I'm, his, his first name is escaping me right now, but it was, he, those were the two speakers at their uh, event. I know that a lot of these candidates are not perfect, but these are guys that at least domestically uh, generally speak out very good for civil rights and constitutional rights. So uh, those examples are there. So this is already happening now. Another thing we had Porter Davis on. Some of you. If you're in the Ron Paul movement, you might recognize the name Porter Davis from Oklahoma. And last week, we have a conference call, Fred, on Tuesday. I wanted to make sure we weren't going to compete with this conference call, but we have one on Tuesday for the last few weeks for Network America. And uh, we can get up to 1,000 people on the call. We've had about 15 or 20 each of the weeks. But uh, a week ago, not this Tuesday, but 10 days ago, Porter Davis was our guest because he was part of a group that took over the Oklahoma Republican Party. So the whole wow. state, yeah, this is big news, but not being reported hardly anywhere. But they had a coalition of Tea Party people and uh, Ron Paul people who backed um, a fellow named Brogdon, I believe it was, B-R-O-G-D-O, and he was a former state senator. 
Porter Davis, I found out, was not only uh, is not only now a talk show host, but he was a former state rep in Oklahoma. And I hope they're a lot better than the rhinos that they kicked out in practice. But when, in any case, even if they, I hope there's no selling out at the top. But and I, you know, I'm confident there won't be. But what it shows is the the, the natives are restless, and the normal people can 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 take over you know start really taking back our parties and our then our our candidates and our congress and our country and um uh right now the biggest problem we have is not david rockefeller and henry kissinger and the wall street and the goldman sachs and the fed the biggest problem we have is millions of americans who want to do something but don't know what to do or else will not easily get out of their comfort zone to do it uh, it takes about 20 to 40 hours every two years in order to run for precinct. Uh, 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 Porter was on the call, and he was reminding us that in many areas, one-third of the precincts are vacant. Nobody's, you know, nobody's even running in either party. Some areas, one-half of the precincts are vacant. Uh, so, you know, the, the opportunity is there. Now, we have had a few people, maybe some of you have heard of this Jade Helm thing, uh, where they're running um, military exercises, and we did a big article on it on Network America. I wanted to make sure we could prove that it was true. And we have on there a video from the Oath Keepers where they actually have, actually it's put out by Gary Franchi, posted by the Oath Keepers. They actually have on the, um, on, on the video the council meeting in Big Springs, Texas, okay? And they got the government spokesman who's not a military man, but he's speaking for the military, and he comes in there and tells them, yeah, we're going to do this, nothing to worry about, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I'm sure there isn't anything to worry about in these particular exercises. Uh, and then there's citizens objecting to this, and, and you know, Alex Jones was saying, I think rightfully so, this is getting people used to seeing military in the streets. It's getting the military used to doing exercises within the United States. And there may be no sinister intent on the people at the bottom, either the military soldiers or the civilians. But I agree with Alex Jones. This is getting people used to this type of exercise, which is starting to violate the spirit, if not the letter, of Posse Comitatus, which said, no military use for police actions in the United States. Um, but some people, some people saw that, and we got emails, as I get all the time. It's too late, can't do anything, too late to organize they're going to declare you know, martial law in a few months or whatever. And while I would admit that there's a lot more signs that that could happen on the wall than there were, let's say, 40 years ago, but I've been hearing this since I was just beyond the teenager in the 1970s. I've been hearing people say, too late, I'm, I don't want to be on any mailing list. I don't, want to, you know, I don't want to talk on the phone about this stuff because we're about to have the New World Order. And this is kind of a psychological brainwashing that has worked on the American people that, that when really we have a lot of power, for instance, I don't know about you, but I have to go some to, to time, place sometimes in, in the middle of the night uh, to take, you know, visit somebody who uh, we have one elderly person that our family helps uh, takes turn helping. Uh, I, I, nobody ever stops me. I can travel anywhere I want. I've traveled at night with traffic hand from state to state. we several times drove through the night Nobody's arresting me or stopping me. I'm sure not you either. Um, people are eating at Taco Bell and McDonald's and gourmet restaurants, expensive restaurants all the time. People go to the bank and put their money in the bank. And we have conference calls like this where 
Uh, you basically, I don't know how they do it, but I've never paid to use freeconferencecall.com or freeconferencecallhd. Uh, they must get their money through, I guess, people upgrading. Uh, we have email. We have uh, websites like aunetwork.tv with the tremendous stuff they have archived there and, and a lot of so many other websites. Now we have networkamerica.org to organize. We have... Um, uh, we also have Facebook, which Facebook, while started by somebody that pr- may not be in harmony with the spirit of this call or with Network America, well, he still put up a tremendous system that we can use. I, I had an old friend in, in Ohio who, when somebody once objected, yeah, but that was started by the other side. Why are you using that system? He said, well, we're going to ride this mule as long as it's going our way. And I think we have to uh, have that attitude because – when I put up the, uh, when we were trying to watch the vote for Ron Paul in 2012, um, then I put up, finally got up my video called Watch the Vote 2012-Iowa Caucus, which is still on uh, YouTube, and you only have to watch the first 12 minutes to get the gist of it, because I put in billboard form what people should do, because I figured, well, I'm not going to have a chance to talk to anybody again, so I better put in the last eight minutes here what they should do. But a guy named Gavin Greer, who had worked with us in 2008, called me and said, Jim, I'm putting up a Facebook page for Watch the Vote. And my attitude was great, Gavin. In my mind, I was thinking, that's kind of like I'll, I'll go tell my next-door neighbor about, you know, Watch the Vote. But I said, great. Well, by 12 days later, in at Christmas Eve, we put it up, the worst day of the year. By January 6th, We Three Kings Day, 12 days later, that video had 42,000 hits. I was just astounded. And, of course, the reason it got the hits is everybody was interested in Ron Paul getting a fair count up there and everybody else. So, anyway, Facebook is a tremendous tool, and we're using Facebook to get people into Network America. People can be part of both, and we recommend that they be part of both. So this idea that it's we can't do anything, we still do have a lot of power Robert Welch, who was the founder of what today is the New American Magazine, many of you may have heard of or seen, uh, he died in the, I think, the late 70s or early 80s. But he said, I remember reading when I was just waking up to all this shadow government that exists, he said if the people of Russia in 1917 had just had telephones, if they, and we got the telephone, of course, to call our friends and email our friends through email, but he said if they had just had telephones in Russia in 1970, they may have been, a, been a, able to throw the communists off before they could really take over. But we got all these tools, and uh, there's never been a better time to organize. We actually defeated in Hamilton County in Cincinnati uh, you know, back in 1990, by a partly by them failing to follow the rules, and we kind of beat them on a technicality in many ways. But we beat them in 1990, and all we had was um, snail mail, you know, regular post office mail, and phone chains. And that was just, you know, that was tough. We had one gal who had a number of, she had four or five kids, but she was like the Internet. People would call her with where they lived. She would look up their precinct, call them back, or, and as Robin Buskin was her name. She did an absolutely fantastic job. But that's what we were dealing with back then, just telephones, just phone chains, which are notorious for breaking down, and just snail mail. Today, you could, on the night of the meeting, uh, if you're going like to a meeting to vote for chairman of your county, then you could send out an email the five days in a row and have conference calls to remind everybody what's going on and communicate. You know, there was no free conference call back then, the conference call.com then and all that. So 
I don't buy this idea that it's too late, can't do anything. I more or less say, boy, if the founding fathers had this attitude, we would definitely be under the king today because they were risking life, liberty, and everything else. They were fighting the largest power in the world. And, uh, the, you know, there was only about a third of the colonists that supported George Washington. A third were indifferent and a third were supporting the king. But the minority can do it. So this idea that we don't have any power just doesn't make any sense. If you look, uh, Fred, how much time do we have? Because I, I want to keep within the time limit here. Uh, Jim, you've got an hour and a half. Do you want to fill it all the way till uh, 10 o'clock central? Okay, well, what? how about if we, uh, if I go for another 20 minutes or so, and then we can take questions, and if there's nobody has questions, I can keep talking, or we can discuss back and forth, well, that's, okay? That's fine, that's fine, yep. Okay, so let's, if you're looking at networkamerica.org, even if you're not, then you got home, which is where you can see the little six-minute video, you got precinct news, which we put up, and we hope there to have you know, eventually counties and states telling what happened, you know, successes, failures. You know, in 1990, I mentioned when we took over the Republican Party, but they quickly brought us to county court appeals. We appealed, and then we appealed to the Ohio Supreme Court, but the Ohio Supreme Court uh, sided with the good old boy network, and so did the county and the, the – uh, so we got it taken away from us because not many people were watching now, of course, we're in a big city, and the big cities are crooked. The big cities are almost directly run by people who are answering. Uh, if not the party chairman, the people behind them are almost directly answering to, uh, you know, to the big boys in New York City and Washington, D.C. The, the rural counties and the quasi-rural counties are not quite as bad. And as you see, they, they got a fair shake in Boone County and in uh, Warren County. But we all know that the Ron Paul delegates were terribly mistreated across the country. And uh, remember, that the worst case was probably in Louisiana, where the guy was elected as the delegate chairman, maybe chairman of the party, at least was head of the delegate convention. And he had a hip replacement recently. Somebody went up there and tackled the guy off the stage and broke his hip, and then they broke up the meeting. That was the purpose of, you know, I don't know if what the tackling was all about, Jesus but they broke God. up the meeting. Yeah, yeah, that happened in Louisiana. That was well publicized on some parts of the Internet back then. But there was all kinds of outrages. In fact, Nikki Nelson tells me that she was then coordinating um, uh, the, the lawyers for Ron Paul thing, and she was doing what she's doing for him. And again, i, I got to say, you know, if it wasn't for Nikki, this would not be up. I mean, I communicated the vision to her. She saw it quickly. So she has these tremendous talents and team that she works with. And, and if I had known that, I would have dropped everything. I would have hung up on the whole conference call and called her and said, Nikki, we got to get you to work. But anyway, she, uh, she was doing all – and she had all the evidence of all the outrages in all 50 states, which we hope to get back up again, against the Ron Paul delegates, okay? Now – at that point, at that point, I'm, I'm kind of meandering here a little bit, but the lawyers and everybody else said, take down all the evidence. And the, the reason, of course, you, you can't listen to lawyers. And I, I, my dad and my brother are lawyers, and, and they, they, uh, I, they have pretty good strategy. But most of the time, you can't listen to lawyers because they're going to say, don't we'll take down all the evidence. We'll save it for trial. Well, yeah, that might be good if uh, if we had courts that were mostly honest instead of mostly dishonest and responsive to the ruling elite. But also, it's not good politically. You've got to let your evidence out there 
And uh, so anyway, the lawyers had pounded on her, and she took all the evidence down. I, I wish I would have been in on those calls because it would have been one bloody fight because that was absurd to take all that evidence down a few months before the – or a, f- a few weeks before the Republican convention. But at any rate, uh, so um, – so the idea now is, though, is that there'll be more, uh, you know, if you get thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people watching, if they lobby their sheriff and their police chief to come to the convention and give, make sure that it's fair, that those who win, win, and those who lose, lose, and we got a fair vote, now we got something going. And plus, people are upset. People are now much more edgy and antsy, and they realize that things are going wrong in America, and they're willing to get involved. And so there'll be many more eyes on the situation. And uh, so anyway, but Network America is there. Now going across, then we have running for precinct. So if people want to know what to do to run for precinct, we'll improve that. But it's it's a pretty good. Then we got the Liberty Principles, which I'll just run over quickly here eventually. <laughs> then we have the conference, which is the conference schedule start and now um the other thing uh the other well let me just run through the liberty principles real quickly uh, before, before i do that i do want to mention one thing that soon in a few ever maybe it'll be a month i'm going to launch my 2016 campaign for congress against john Boehner. okay i ran against him last time and in 2012 and in 2010. And some people might say, well, what are you trying to be the Howard Stassen of con- congressional? Uh, he was the guy that ran for president over and over again and didn't really have any chance. Uh, and my answer to that is we're in a fight for the country. This is not about me. Uh, I mean, I would gladly go to Congress if I was elected, although I really would prefer somebody else would do it. But uh, the point is at the moment with the money so heavily weighted to the favorites, the establishment, with the media generally treats any of us that run for office that aren't in the in crowd, they ignore us, or if they then have to mention us, they'll smear us. And finally, we got the, uh, seems like we just got some noise on the call somehow, like there's some air coming in or something. But, uh, and then finally, of course, they have the, uh, the, the vote count is counted in secret on these secret computers. And that's, of course, been my longest standing cause is to get back to trans, uh, transparent elections. By the way, Steve, uh, Stephen uh, in the Carolinas, um, we have a clip, if you can find it, from 2008 where Rand Paul come to, came on the call and was a guest for quite a while, and he says on there, we have to get back to transparent elections. So if there's any way we can find that, I need to make that into no, no, a that short was, that video. No, no, Ron Paul. No, 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 Ron Paul talked to uh, – who was the lady in California that came in and uh, asked him a question? And he t- and he talked. We used that clip where he said we got to watch the vote. And yeah. you know we we. Use, but Rand Paul was later, and he he said when whatever week Rand Paul appeared, he said we got to get back to tra- transparent elections. I think Ron Paul said the same thing. But we need the Rand call, Paul audio clip if we can get it, because we need to really push him and the others to bring this issue up as well as what we're going to be doing. Okay, now, so. I'm going to also have a call, which may be on Wednesday night, for my congressional campaign and to try to get others to run for Congress. Why? If you say, you know, if you say, well, heck, Boehner's outspending millions of dollars to thousands of dollars, uh, what's the point? Well, the point is what I do do and can do and can promise people I'll do if they send 25 bucks or whatever is get radio ads on the air. And that's the new little booklet 
Nikki also knows how to put together these e-books, and we'll have it ready so we can probably even make some real books. Uh, just in case anybody has a book and you didn't know this, at lulu.com, any book, you can pay about $150, and they scan in the pages, and then you can buy like one or two books even for 5 or seven dollars each and you have a uh, you know have you have a book a real book with a real glossy cover so that's new in the last 10 years or so that we now can publish even two or three books at a time and it's it's affordable where you used to have to publish thousands at a time and it was beyond the realm of the average person unless one of the big book companies backed your book so we'll have the ebook and it's called the reasonable access law and it's going to explain in depth and finally we have the actual case, Becker versus uh, the FCC in 1996, the last one, and it is really strong on how the radio stations and the TV stations that are FCC licensed have to run your ads when you say and not edit the ads, okay? And that, that's what I do, and I run things on 9-11. I run things on, uh, uh, on vote fraud, of course, run things on a lot of other subjects, uh, the you know the the illegal uh, the unconstitutional nature of the invasion of some of these countries, and and you know we put them right in the middle of Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity drive time, and and, and people driving back and forth to work who aren't yet clued into the stuff that the people on this call are clued into. <clears throat> they hear the ad, uh, they probably wonder what the heck's going on. Half of them, they then hear the website, and you got to hope, and I'm sure there's always a, at least a percentage, even if it's three percent or five percent, who are kind of subconsciously have been wondering, am I getting the whole truth from Hannity? You know, is Rush telling me if if they're telling me everything, why we keep losing? Those people are going to want to come and check out from the ad. So I would like to teach in the next six or eight months. Uh, 90 candidates, or I think there's 120 media markets in the United States. I'd like to teach 120 different congressional candidates to run in Chicago, in you know, in Spokane, Washington, in Boston, Massachusetts, Denver, Phoenix, uh, you know, um, St. Louis, all the big cities, and do the same thing. And they can pick out whatever, you know, whatever issue they think is important. I mean, it's not like there's a lack of issues that are important, right? And they can then, and then, then they always lead them back to a website so that, you know, they can go and, uh, for many people, then a whole new world of information will open up for them. By the way, that's another important point of Network America. I'm going to bounce back there for a minute. Network America, um, when you get into your state and county group and whatever, and the national group, no, there's no gatekeeper, okay? Everybody can talk to everybody else. Now this is this was the main thing that I was wanted to see happen, and we're gonna in as friendly a way as we can, we're gonna spot put the spotlight on, for instance, the Tea Party Patriots. You know, I, we had 20 people on our Network America call Tuesday, and uh, sometime I know you've had up to 800 on this one, sometimes a few hundred, sometimes maybe a few dozen, whatever the week is. But Tea Party Patriots, Judy Spady, who's one of our folks in Colorado. Uh, and she's she's the interim state leader of Colorado for Network America. Judy was on a Tea Party Patriots call before she she kind of woke up to the higher information that we all are acting on, and they had thirty thousand people on one conference call, and that was back in two thousand and uh, uh, I think I think it was early two thousand and twelve. Thirty thousand people, and they have hundreds of thousands of people because Sean Hannity and others promote those big Tea Party groups. The Campaign for Liberty claims they have 300,000 Americans 
in their system, and I think 100,000 from overseas. But neither one of those organizations allow the people to talk to each other. You get in there, and you can only see who the state leaders are and so forth, but nobody can talk to each other. Here, anybody can contact anybody else, exchange phone numbers. I mean, that's the idea. If a lot of people start to come aboard in in so-and-so county, let's say Adams County, Missouri, if there is such a county, then they can exchange phone numbers and emails, and they can say, okay, let's all meet at the basement of the Baptist Church or whatever, the basement of the – or go meet at Denny's. And that's the idea. They meet online, and then they meet in person in their county, and then they make a strategy uh, to to, – to take over their, the, you know, the, 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 or at least tip the balance of power in the right direction in their county, okay? And so we, that's a big thing, that no gatekeepers, okay? Everybody can talk to everybody else. Every, uh, you know, we don't care if people have conference calls. We, we would let, hope that every state and every county would have their own conference calls and, and not just depend on the national conference calls. So now the other thing I went over on the call, I went over um, – certain things that might divide the movement. And I said, you know, I don't know how many people Google me, but if they Google me, they'll find I try to, you know, I end up taking on every controversial issue under the sun almost. But people don't have to agree with me on everything or anything. And the the only thing we, we put up the liberty principles as kind of a guide so people could look at those and maybe say, yeah, I'm in the right place. And I'll, I'll read those now. But Nobody has to agree with Jim Connor Jr. or Nikki or anybody else. You know, you come in and you uh, you you have freedom to talk about uh, things. Now, the one thing we did do, though, because somebody came in and started bombing our wall the second week with every controversial thing you could think of. I mean, if if you said, let's think of all the most controversial things we could bring up to get people fighting with each other, this guy wanted to do it. And I know he was trying to spread what he thought was the truth. But we actually have created a most controversial subjects group so that people that want to discuss those can go into there. But we, even though I may agree with a lot of the things the guy posted, we can't have a new person, let's say from the Tea Party, who's wide-eyed and innocent, coming in here and getting scared off thinking this is the most radical site I've ever seen. Because as long as they're against the police state, then I think they should be at Network America. Um, you know, I've run into people who say, well, I'm not working with Americans because they, unless they know the Constitution and have taken a fourth level graduate school course on the Constitution and Federalist and Anti-Federalist and James Madison and, and May, uh, you know, uh, 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 the founding father named Mason and Jefferson, I'm not going to work with them. Well, my attitude is the opposite of that. If they kind of understand freedom of speech and the Second Amendment and they don't want a police state, and they kind of understand that they like America the way it's been, and they want the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, that's good enough for me. They can get educated when they get in here. And I would hope we would eventually have up all kinds of courses that they could view online and learn to be you know, quasi-experts at these subjects. If they're against the police state, that's good, that's good enough for us. And so we say, and that's what I said, if, if people are against the police state, the encroaching police state, and they're and they're for the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, then then you belong here. Even if and this is a tough one because I told on the call I said, look, if you look just scratch the surface a little bit, you're going to see that the people that put together Network America are basically against all these foreign wars and against the Iraq invasion and against and and I know other people aren't. But even if there's disagreement on that issue, I still think we should all work together domestically against the police state uh, that and that i'm afraid is the only thing 
really um, <clears throat> really uniting us. Now, if, if if you go on Liberty Principles at NetworkAmerica.org, if not, I'll read them real fast. And then I want to put together five issues to my congressional campaign. I think Americans must understand. If they don't understand these issues, we're going to have a kind of a half-blind, half-drunken, stumbling movement, uh, even though many people won't, and some people will be opposed to some of those. But first, I'm going to read the seven principles here that we put up in Guardians for Liberty for many months, the exact wording, of many years, really. And uh, so first one is implement precinct strategy, and that's what we're talking about. You know, the 50 states, 3,000 counties, for 300,000 precincts, and you live in a neighborhood precinct, so do I. And everybody who lives in our precinct votes at the same place. Votes at not only the same place, like we have a senior center here, White Oak, White Oak Senior Center. We not only vote at the same place, but we vote at the same booths within that place because they have five precincts there. But every, but if they, in some places, the clearest example would be a place that had one precinct. Everybody in your little neighborhood precinct, which has boundaries just like a little country, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, all come and vote in that precinct, wherever they have it, if they have it up somebody's house or a senior center. So that's, we want to get Americans to realize, drop everything if you have to, get in your precinct, uh, get learned from our site or somewhere else what you have to do, start cooperating together and put 20 to 40 hours a year or every two years, more if you can, because that's where you're on the playing field. A fellow um, who goes by the internet named Cold Warrior, who's an attorney in Arizona, says, if you're not involved in the precincts, you're not a, you're not an activist. You're not an activist in politics because you really don't have a. You're not exerting influence on the parties, and voting is very iffy because everyone on this call, I think, knows, or most of us, that. We don't know if the votes they're publishing on the big races are true or not. You know, when they publish the vote on uh, on on anything uh, on election night, nobody's seen any ballots unless you live in New, New Hampshire. Nobody's allowed to see any ballots, and all the announcements are made by Voter News Service, now National Election Poll, out of New York City, owned by the five TV networks. This is almost secret information in America. The news media won't tell anybody, and neither will. Just like Hannity and Rush and, and uh, a lot of these uh, NRA won't tell anybody, everybody about precinct, even the uh, Campaign for Liberty, it's kind of almost a secret on their website. Uh, also, they will not tell anybody, they will not bring up the issue of, <clears throat> of the vote being counted in secret. And somebody, uh, I just happened by the grace of God to be driving in the afternoon, which I rarely listen to Rush Limbaugh, but I was had him on on the Thursday after the, the uh, uh, Romney uh, uh, Obama election in 2012, and of course there was that point at which uh, Karl Rove objected to the results on Fox. Megyn Kelly went to get the pollsters in the back room to have a debate, but then things went so far for Obama in Ohio that they didn't have it. But um, somebody called into Rush Limbaugh, and I guess they should give Rush for even letting this call through if he knew what he was going to say. And the guy said, Rush, I'm not so worried about people about Acorn and people voting two and three times. I'm worried about um, I'm worried about if they're fixing the com the computers and warping the vote in the computers. And Ru and Rush said, "I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there." And he moved on to the next call after saying a few other not too relevant things. And I was in my car alone, and for my own mental health, sometime I'm screaming at the radio, "Why don't you want to go there, Rush? Why?" 
Now, the point is, is that that guy brought up the real issue. And uh, we'll get into that. But so number one is implement the precinct strategy. And if Americans who want liberty, the, 10 million, the 7 million that voted for Ron Paul, 3 million in the NRA, all the right to lifers, there's so many different groups that want change and are generally for the right things on all the issues. They are, and their, their leaders are not telling them that this is your number one thing. Change the party leaders, change the candidates, change the Congress, save the country. Okay, number two of the principles is revitalize the Second Amendment. And that is not only ability to own guns, which we're all aware of, but also the revitalizing of the, quote, well-regulated militia. That's, you can look at the, the books of Dr. Dr. Edwin Vieira because he's done all the research on this to show that the founding fathers had the vision of every able-bodied man at that time was basically between 18 and 45. You could now allow women to join too if they wanted to. And every able-bodied man and the other people who wanted to, 18 to 45, would be the militia under the control of the a county leader and the governor. That was what was envisioned. And then that was existed in, um, in, in shadow form anyway. It wasn't really being worked that well until 1903. And there was something called, the, there was a Senator Dick, and it's called the Dick Act, D-I-C-K, and that ended the well-regulated militia in favor of the National Guard, which is basically an adjunct of the federal government and the governor. And so we want to revitalize that Second Amendment and get all the normal citizens. And I think they had to go to training five days a year or something or something or they were fined and that's what should happen again now why why did you want that well-regulated militia well the founding fathers let us know one is we have a natural disaster so if you have a katrina you have a was it a hurricane up in new jersey or you have whatever i'm a little scared to see they're coming out with a big movie on the san andreas fault moving and massive destruction on the west coast of the united states because a lot of times these movies pre-shadow what happens, and some people think with HARP and other technologies they can now blast uh, air or, 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 or liquid into these faults and cause them to move. I don't know if that's true or not, but it worries me a little. So one was natural disasters. You would have already an infrastructure in place, not of military men, but of the average citizens, who were the average mothers and fathers. That's the militia to help. That was the third reason. The second reason was a foreign invasion, that they would be facing, like in Switzerland, a, 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 not only a well-armed, but an, a, a trained populace. But the first reason that the founding fathers wanted the well-regulated militia under the power of the states and the counties was in case the federal government got out of control. That was what they were afraid of, and that's what we're facing now. Uh, there's that famous quote of Lincoln that no foreign army could take a drink of water out of the Ohio because Americans would stop them. But we will, if we fall, it'll be from internal subversion, basically. So that's the second one. And it goes hand in hand with the first, revitalize the Second Amendment, not only the keep and bear arms, but reinstituting the well-regulated militia. That's what that meant. And the ACLU tries to say, no, that only meant the government can have guns. But Dr. Edwin, and I heard a debate, and I said, gee, the ACLU guy, I, I was not happy with the way our, our side answered this ACLU guy a few years ago on a debate on Fox. I felt that is really not a really sound, convincing, you, you refuted him answer. But Dr. Edwin Vieira has done that. He's got, one of his books is called The Three Rights, T-H-R-E-E, 
rights. We got an article on that, I believe, on targetfreedomusa.com. But you can find it on Amazon. Another one of his books is a 2,000-page book, which is only an e-book on um, uh, the militias of the several states, I think it's called. Another one of his books is a 200-page book called Constitutional Homeland Security, meaning the well-regulated militias. And you can also find articles for free by Dr. Edmund Vieira on newswithviews.com. Just put in Vieira, V-I-E-R-A, or or well regulate or the militias of the several states, okay? And our friend David Callahan of Florida is a great advocate of this and really focused me on it uh, uh, properly, along with Walter Reddy, who's an acquaintance of a lot of ours. Walter Reddy was really the first guy to, and he held calls with Edwin Vieira. And just a little trivia: Edwin Vieira is the brother of Meredith Vieira, who is on I think Good Morning America for so many years. Um, I don't think Meredith quite has the uh, constitutional understanding that Edwin does, though. But she's been a you know a very pleasant talk show host as that as far as that went. Third principle of the liberty principles put together by Guardians for Liberty and the Network America is urging everyone to follow: restore transparent elections. That means paper ballots counted by the citizens in the precinct, posted on the wall. Ballots never leave the public site. Now we have in 99% of America, excluding the smaller half of New Hampshire, uh, ballots leave the public site. As Howard Phillips used to say, they're snatched from the people. The, uh, the four companies and the big networks announced the results, and we're supposed to sit there at home and say, oh, thank God this was easy. But this has got to be – the whole nation has to, again, or for the first time, put its energy into elections because the elections determine who determines the domestic policy and who determines the foreign policy. And as we move to computerized elections, we seem to be being run by domestic enemies more and more. So we got to get back to transparent elections. And by the way, those, those secretly computerized, secretly counted computerized elections are not only bad by common sense, they're illegal by two Supreme Court decisions in many states' constitutions. Two Supreme Court decisions, and we list them on uh, in the Liberty Principles and on the Guardians for Liberty website and on votefraud.org. Uh, one was in 1915, uh, and I think it was, uh, uh, I can't remember the names. Now, one was Sims, uh, Sims versus uh, the U.S. government, maybe. The other one was Mosley versus somebody. One was 1915, one was 1964. Both said that our vote, right to vote counts of two parts. One is a, uh, uh, a, a the right to to cast a ballot, and we still have that. The second is the right to know that our ballot was counted accurately, and that second thing has been totally destroyed. And it's just amazing that less more people don't don't bring it up. And I really appreciate that the leaders were out there at the Iowa caucus in fall two thousand, and they, you know, they and, and thankfully uh, hundreds of others have immediately seen this issue. People in power. That's why we want to get that Rand Paul clip out. And we'll use the Ron Paul Club again to try to get this into the public arena. Okay, for combat the media monopoly, there's all kinds of ways to do that uh, now, and we're getting stronger. This call is one way to do that. And uh, there's a few other things that Nikki has envisioned that are going to be unveiled in the next two months or so. I think we lost him. Uh, his yeah. name is still on the. His yeah, name is still up. on the. 
board. It, Are you there, Jim? Is oh, Scott no, there? He oh. Is Scott? He dropped. dropped him. Yeah. It'd be better if Jim called be the landline, Fred, probably, because that's Scott. Yeah, it, it was breaking up. It was breaking up. It was getting worse as he went on. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a bad um, he'll, call, he'll call back in, though, and then we can see if he can. I think his energy is so high and so strong that he, he disconnects the electricity in the room. <laughs> okay, Fred, Fred, I, I'm back. Did I just drop off? I just dropped off, I think. Yeah. I think the... You just I think sometimes you just kind of repeat what you what, you, what you're in the process of saying the last uh, minute or so. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I I think I was talking about the uh, transparent elections, and that we have to uh, get back to that. And I can't remember exactly where I was, but that uh, no, combat the media monopoly. We got to principle four, and I was saying this call is an example of that. But Nikki has some ideas coming out in the next few months that are really dynamic. And I guess that you might want to have her on as a guest a, a month or two from now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, she has, it's, so anyway, com, um, then five is defeat the police state, and that, that covers just about everything that's going on today. And you can all imagine what that might be from the NDAA to, uh, you know, and one of the goals of the, uh, one of, one of the, goals of the, uh, of the powers that be is to make every local police department into an adjunct to the federal government. So there's no longer local sheriffs and local police. They're all just arms of the federal government. That's what they're working for. So when you have some of these racial incidents happen, like in Ferguson and Baltimore, um, you've got agitators sent in by George Soros. That's been documented, that he's uh, uh, funding some of these agitators. So they stoke things from the bottom. And of those buildings burned down in Baltimore, I'd like to know how many were done by local residents and how many were done by agent provocateurs. But then at the same time, the policemen are afraid for their lives. So at the same time, you got the, the ruling elite from the other side saying, we're gonna, we need to give you tanks and planes and drones, and they're, mil they want, they're militarizing the police like it's an army while they're simultaneously trying to take away the independence of the police departments, both of which are bad, both of which has to be resisted. And these are the type of things we got to have committees in each county to approach the sheriffs and the policemen and the former military men to say, hey, don't fall for this. You know, if, if push comes to shove, don't support the tyrant, support the people. Number six is a return to constitutional money, and maybe we'll have a little time to talk about that. Number seven, which simply would be – let me say real quick, though. That would be a combination of uh, – uh, backing the currency by something real, gold, silver, platinum. I don't know if there's enough gold and silver to go around or not, uh, you know, it's, uh, in, 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 in the world to, to back all it. But maybe the platinum or anything real would work, okay? So that, that – and, and the whole idea of that is when currencies collapse, what do you have left? Well, if it's backed by something, you theoretically at least have that left. Um, but the second part of, of, of an honest money system, and this is a bit controversial because unless somebody can show me different, Austrian economics and all the rest of them ignore this, is how much money should be in circulation. That's a different question than what money is back for. And the, the answer is, I believe, was elucidated by C.H. Douglas in 1917-18 uh, in a system that is called in Britain and Canada and Australia social credit. In this country, we're wanting to call it American national credit, because social credit sounds like you're going to say socialism, and it's not socialism. But the point is that there should be money issued to about equal the goods and services available, 
okay? Now, I'm totally against the insurrection-type activity I was watching in Baltimore the other night, where you, it was looking like a third-world insurrection. The police were standing down totally against the, this type of violence. But on the other hand, those people who are saying there's not a lot of hope in the ghetto, uh, the people, you know, the, and, and that's not an excuse for, for violence, but there is truth in that because the powers that be uh, 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 issuing our money are not issuing enough money to equal the goods and services that are available to be purchased, and they're issuing it at interest. And that should be changed to issue interest-free money in the open. Again, the Fed is just like our elections. The Fed is secret. It, it, it issue um, um, money interest-free in the, in, the, uh, in the open. And how to get that to the people is the third part of, uh, of uh, what Douglas felt he had discovered to break the Rothschild banking system hold on, on humanity, even though that system has served as well in many ways. Uh, the Rothschilds are way ahead of everybody in developing the money system we have, but now it's being used to abuse. And we need to quickly, as I say, when I've been on some conference calls, if you want to say that we want to uh, postulate the best of intentions for the Federal Reserve and the International Monetary Fund and Goldman Sachs, if you want to postulate the best of intentions, and I don't, but if you do, we're still 100 years out of date on how we're issuing money. The system we're using now is 100 years out of date. And to say when we have goods and services, when we have goods and services, okay, and, and somebody says, well, we got the goods and services here in the store, but we're out of money. We're out of money. We can't issue any more money because of blah, blah, blah. As long as it's issued against goods and services, to say that is like saying, now, we want to finish building your house. We only got half of it built, and we want to build the other half, but we ran out of inches. We ran out of feet. We ran out of yards. We can't build it anymore. Because money, is a St. Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle said, is a man-made thing. And what gives money its value is not only gold and silver. Yeah, gold and silver is good, but what gives money its value is all the goods and services, the food, the clothing, the computers, blah, 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 blah. And this idea when you hear on the media the younger generation is in debt $60 million trillion, and, uh, um, uh, you know, and, and you'll never get out of debt and all this kind of stuff, um, that is not true. It's true under the current system. It's not true if we have the right system that's done in the open. And this is what Jim Trafficant was really going to spearhead. And for God's own reasons, he's not with us. But, boy, we, we sure could use him, and I don't know where we get another him. Okay, a seventh principle, then, is support a non-interventionist foreign policy. And this is the controversial one because the 40 to 70 million evangelicals who are told in their churches every Sunday that if they don't support everything that the Netanyahu faction of Israel wants – then they are striking God, and so they're afraid to oppose anything that the Netanyahu faction wants because they believe that's the chosen people still and blah, 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 blah. That is going to divide the movement because some people are real for these wars because they want to protect Israel, and they believe that you know, the, all this terror is really real, that you know, there's you know, thousands and millions of Muslims wanting to come over here and blow us up. Uh, if that's the case, then they're really stupid because they can get in this country easily through open borders, and the malls are totally unprotected. Well, they were sending off 100 to 150 bombs a day on our soldiers in Baghdad when we had 150 to 500,000, whatever it was, soldiers there. There's nobody guarding most of America. So this idea uh, – I, anyway, so the, the point is that there's a big divide on that, but we're recommending a non-interventionist foreign policy 
kind of like Ron Paul advocated and what Thomas Jefferson and George Washington said, which is try to be friends with all nations, but entangling alliances with none. So those are the seven principles. Now, last thing I'll do, and I'm running a little over here, I see, Fred, five issues I'm going to emphasize in my campaign. And if nobody wants to fight now, maybe they'll want to fight after these. I mention these five issues. I believe through my radio, as what we're going to try to do is to, to basically train uh, 3,000 to 4,000 Americans. We, you know, we don't need 200 million or 6 million, 3,000 to 4,000 Americans to donate $10 a month into my campaign. That would be 30 to $40,000 a month. And we would start hopping from city to city and putting saturation radio ads and television ads in those cities for one week each and, to, and, and, and tell people to get into Network America and help org, and organize. And this is where you can make your influence felt. That's the idea. That's what the money would be used for, except you know to organize a little bit. But probably 80% of that money would go into the radio ads and TV ads. 20% would go into organizing and you know having make sure that the website was keeping up the technologically up to date network america so um that would be what it's for and uh that and that is you know we got if we got to you know again if we were saying hey we're looking for people to put in a hundred dollars a month that would be unrealistic and some people can't even put in 10 we understand that but three thousand to four thousand people out of the millions that want freedom and want to fight the police state uh, the encroaching police state, they're, they're there if they can be convinced this is a worthwhile cause. And again, I don't want a monopoly. I'm not trying to monopolize running for office as a congressman, I, a congressional candidate. I would love to get 120 more people that I could train. And I'll just say the formula right now. You put up a website, you tell them the radio ads you're going to run, and you say, if you want me to run these ads, donate, and I'll use at least, you got to say at least 80% of the money because some of the money has to go for various things, fees and just, te- you know, telephones and Internet website uh, upkeep and so as, you know, ISPs. And so uh, but if you, you, that's what we, you tell them. That's what I'm going to do. And then that's how I raise the money. I put I put uh, the, the video up and what I'm going to run. And then people either donate or they don't. But that's how anybody can do it. And you can even get on the ballot. This ebook we're coming out with the reasonable access law in a week or so. We'll also have a section on how to run for office. And even as a write-in candidate, you can run for office. I mean, you usually cost 75 or 100 bucks, and you have every right to put the radio ads on as the guys on the ballot do. So anyone can do this, and they can't say write-in is frivolous because they claim Barbara Mikowski from Alaska, who was uh, one of the establishment uh, front people, and they claim when she got beat in the uh, – uh, she didn't file on time or something, and she got beat in the Democratic Party primary. Then they claim she got on the ballot as a write-in, and they claim she won. I don't think I believe it. But if a senator in the last few years, 2012, won on a write-in campaign, they can't say any write-in candidate is frivolous. There was a congressman in 2005, I think down in the South, and he won a write-in. He was a write-in candidate. He beat the two people who were on the ballot. So nobody can honestly say that a write-in campaign isn't serious. Strom Thurmond won for governor in 1968 in, I think, South Carolina on a write-in. So write-in cannot be called frivolous. You can get on the ballot. You can run the ads and so forth. So so in my congressional campaign, there's five issues I think I have to try to get through to the American people and make it a a household or more of a household discussion. The first one, and I'm going to end with this, and then Fred will go to discussion uh, if if you wish to. Um, The first one is 
that who controls the media. Brother Nathaniel, who, as many of you know, is of Jewish descent but is now a Russian Orthodox Christian, Brother Nathaniel has come out with one of the most important articles of the last decade. He has, and it's, uh, we have it on the Who Controls the Media section of TargetFreedomUSA.com, which is Nikki Consolidate, all, all my websites on that one website, TargetFreedomUSA.com. And uh, under the media, who runs the media, you'll see first Brother Nathaniel's article where he documents who runs the five TV networks with the articles from the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg News, uh, New York Times, when the article that announced who bought each of these networks in the last five years. And they're all run by the Netanyahu wing of uh, the Jewish uh, businessmen of the Netanyahu Likud wing of Israel. Now, that's the warmongering wing, okay? Uh, you probably didn't hear it on the news, but 80,000 Israelis demonstrated against Netanyahu's election a few days before the election. I don't think anybody heard that on the big news, but that happened. 80,000 strong demonstration, which in a country of 6 million is a, is a big percentage in a way to get to one demonstration. Uh, it was the, the Orthodox, 25,000 Orthodox rabbis that walked past New York City passed ABC, CBS, and NBC in 2002. Now, you talk about a photo op, all these people in black hats and black, and not one of these stations breathed a word of that. The only place I saw that was in Clay Douglas's The Free American. And so, you know, but the, but the, the, uh, the point is, is this uh, uh, warmongering faction of the Likud faction of Israel, that is the individuals of that thinking run the media. So, uh, you know, it's less than 3% of the population. I don't care if it's Catholics, Muslims, uh, Germans. I don't care if there's one group that thinks alike that runs the big media. Americans should know about it so they have a chance to filter out that this is not necessarily referees trying to be fair. They have an agenda. And the Clear Channel Radio, at least a year or two ago, the paymaster for Clear Channel, now become iHeartRadio, was Arit Kadesh, Kadish, Gadis, G-A-D-I-E-S-H. She was one of the Mossad operatives in Israel, and she was the main uh, financial officer or the one who wrote the checks to Rush Limbaugh and the others at Bain Capital. So the number one is who controls the media, and it is the Talmudic Jewish faction and the warlike faction of that faction of Israel. And that, that Americans need to know that, even though a lot of people don't want to talk about it. I don't know why. Brother Thaniel totally documents it in that article. Secondly, is the um, uh, 9-11. That 9-11 was a false flag. Uh, a false flag has to become a household word. Where one group does it, blames it on another. If Americans don't understand that Israel and its agents and the ruling elite at Goldman Sachs and the Fed and, and, and the big networks did 9-11, blamed it on the 19 Arab hijackers who probably were just killed somewhere that morning, were never filmed getting on a plane anywhere. The FBI director uh, in March of the next year said, we may never know who was on those planes. Um, if, if they don't know, that, they aren't told all the evidence that was a false flag. And what was it for? To get us into endless wars in the Middle East and a police encroaching police state here at home. And that's what they've been doing. And every time they want to do a new police state measure, got to do it because of terror, terror, terror. And I could go into it, so many of these terror, uh, quote unquote, terror incidents that they report on the news for a day or two are, are, not, are not real. The FBI has enticed somebody into doing something, they carry it on the news, and every few days now we hear of, oh, another 
terrorist was arrested and you know we had one guy in Cincinnati who was kind of a mentally um, a weak kid over 20 minutes from me they claimed he was going to go up and blow up the Congress and and then you don't hear about it anymore maybe somebody online from the FBI enticed him into saying that and then they act like oh we got but they're they're enticing these uh, incidents one I got to tell you real quick one of them in New York City they came up with that they arrested three men in New York City who are about to board a plane for Syria and Glenn Greenwald and uh, over there in Britain and, and somebody uh, one of his co-writers wrote an article and they was really hilarious they were ridiculing it and they said uh, the three uh, men who were going to fly to Syria not only had the problem of no money and the FBI had to buy the tickets for them because the FBI came out and said when they caught them that, that they had done that. But one of the three that was supposedly this dangerous terrorist said, I couldn't have went anyway because my mom took my passport away. And, uh, and so Greenwald and the other one concluded, this looks like another victory for the FBI over the mentally ill. So point is, uh, I saw Lawrence e Eagleburger on CNN, I believe it was. I got it on tape in one of the old VHSs about 10 minutes after the second building collapsed in 9-11, 2001. And, and, and Eagleburger said the, uh, that this is a terror attack and that Americans are going to have to learn two things. We're going to be at war in the Middle East for 50 years. We've already been there for 12. And he said, and Americans will have to learn that they have to give up some of their freedoms for security. So I thought at that time, boy, they're really jumping on this. They, they, really, they really were waiting for an event like this. They're jumping on it. turns out when you find out about remote control planes, uh, that answers everything. They not only jumped on it, they did it. So I, that's number two, 9-11. People have to understand 9-11 was a false flag. It's being used to keep us in endless wars in the Middle East and also, uh, uh, also um, uh, an encroaching police state here at home. Uh, third issue is the well-regulated militia that we talked about, teach people how that's the sword, the precinct is the free speech end of it, and the well-regulated militia is the sword to enforce that when we win at the county level, we win, you know, and nobody can steal it from us. Uh, the fourth issue is money, honest, honest money, and that I talked about a little bit about that. People have to realize we got a, like Project Freedom USA traffic ants group, which is still going to come back into existence. That's going to push for, you know, honest money, get rid of the Fed, have an honest, open money issuing entity, audited in six different ways, heavy penalties for falsifying the numbers, because that's that would ruin the whole system and issue money honestly and in about equal to the goods and services uh, of, of the uh, uh, that, are, that are available. And I should have written these down because now I'm drawing a blank. Let's see if I can remember what the fifth one is. There's the the meat control of the media, 9/11. Uh, oh, and vote fraud. The fifth one is vote fraud. We have to teach people. We got to get away from these secret computer counts, and we have to. Uh, uh, we have to reinstate paper ballots counted by the people at the precinct, in each precinct, posted there, and then the, each campaign and the citizens' groups have to make sure that at county headquarters and at state headquarters that they don't falsify the addition of all the different little precincts, because that's what they do in Iowa to warp the Iowa caucus. The people at the local level do an honest job, then they change it at the state level. And you may remember that Watch the Vote and those of you who, who helped us in that that we actually, thanks to Edward True, a little uh, handyman in Iowa who came forth and, uh, uh, and, and, and exposed that they had given Romney 22 many votes in his library where he, he went to one of those 1,800 precincts. That one guy 
hooking up with us at Watch the Vote, and my dad and I did an affidavit. Erin uh, Burnett was new at CNN. She picked it up. She ran two excellent spots on it. One of the, one Watch the Vote was mentioned on one. We got both of those now. We've got those off the YouTube, and we're going to put them up uh, so that people can see them, and we'll do some commentary around it. But his one little, that one guy, that one handyman, that one voter, recognizing that they gave Romney 20 too many votes in his precinct because they said Romney only won by eight votes. Two weeks later, for the first time in American history, the Iowa caucus had to change the winner in 2012, two weeks after the caucus from Romney to Santorum. Although I still think if we had been able to have watchers in all 1,800 precincts, Ron Paul might have been the one that really won. So anyway, Fred, um, I, I, I can stop here and maybe we can have some discussion or whatever. Uh, but uh, I hope that gives everybody uh, just, just just to kind of uh, I served jury during dirty duty. <laughs> I say dirty duty uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, boy, just sharing some of the information about Fija is so so powerful out there about what oh yeah really should be happening in those in those jury boxes. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that that's going to be complimentary to everything you've said. Well, you know, you're, you know, now you're making think, me think we need six uh, different things because if we can saturate a city with uh, some messages, that is a powerful one because they really abuse people's ignorance of the of the jury's uh, rights to 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 convict a lot of people that shouldn't be convicted, like Sherry Jackson and, and traffic and so forth. So that was, I just you know, I, I applied some of the stuff that I've learned from Fija. And from Rosalier, and it was it was it was just truly stunning and and gratifying to uh, be in the jury pool and and actually openly state the responses to some of these questions. And of course, I was not picked as a juror, but uh, <laughs> I was within the earshot of of several people who who I think benefited from that information. Yes, yes, well, that's good. Yeah, you know, definitely we that that's one way for the people to immediately. Affect things, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, Jim, that's really good. I put up this here. We're got about uh, thirty minutes left, if not a little bit longer. But feel free, guys, if you'd like to just chime in with Jim Condit uh, on on his update. Uh, just star six your phone. Anybody out there, <laughs> real quick? I just want to make a quick comment, Jim. This is Dee. Your websites yes. are beautiful. The Target Freedom USA site is really great. And of well, course, Network that, America. That, yeah, that's a, that's 100% credit to Nikki. That's what she um, – I'm not saying – you don't have to agree that this is true, but I, I appreciated that she said it when she came in my website uh, after traffic and tragically died. She said, Jim, you have the best information, but nobody can find look at those things and for getting us on WordPress and all that type of stuff. And by the way, I should have ended with an action appeal. Anyone who can, we would urge you to go in and sign up at networkamerica.org, pick, you know, get involved in your state group, your county group. And, and then also, um, uh, you know, spread the word to others to either come on the conference calls on Tuesday night or come in and just sign up on the, on the website, and you can, just like Facebook, you can chat and do all kinds of stuff, post stuff. And by the way, we do have, I just, I want to mention this, Fred, and forgot. Kelly Mordecai, who is the author of the uh, Hidden Fourth Branch on the Grand Jury, 
is uh, uh, he's interim California state leader. Judy Spady's interim Colorado state leader. Fellow named Gene Hill down in Mississippi is the inner is the state leader of Mississippi, and he's the leader of the Republican Party in his own county. So he's the he he was on our precinct calls in 2008. So he's the leader of the Republican Party in that county. He is the Sunflower County um, coordinator for Network America and the state coordinator. And uh, um, uh, we're hoping Porter Davis is going to take on Oklahoma. And we would urge anyone else that would want to take a leadership position, especially if been involved in the movement a while, to contact us. Because And leadership position means what? You don't have to travel a lot of places or anywhere. It's just a matter of someone wants to know how to get involved in the system that, uh, that that they can have somebody they can email and maybe talk to it at the state and county level. That's basically what sure. the leader's position is to do, is to give some human contact. I don't know about you, but when I call to order something from a new company, I always feel better if I can call and talk to a live person rather than just do it online, because then I wonder, am I doing this right? Did I do it, you know, get it so that they're going to get the order right? So it's just, you know, human contact is good, you know. Well, Jim, it sounds like you've... You create something sort of like a, a, a networking distillation or, or lattice of, of a platform that um, anybody from any group could use to connect with some of the others from other groups. And, Absolutely. And, and, and as long as these principles are are accepted as complementary and not in conflict, which they shouldn't be, it, it sounds like this should be a, a just as you know, making people aware that it exists is really the biggest challenge, just giving it out there. I mean, I, I just signed up, and I'm motivated because I'm learning on this call tonight what it can do. I can see more and more of the vision of what you're sharing. So it sort of, like, takes me back to the early days of We the People. Some of these things were so simple, yet, you know, we wanted inside that network to, to be able to access more data, more information, uh, so that we can and, – and it wasn't a perfectly built system to begin with, and and of course, it had to go through so many different programming changes, changes and everything. And, and it, but uh, the vision is still out there for a lot of these groups to try to attempt to, to network with each other. That's it, it, without being in conflict. Exactly, exactly. And even if there is some conflict, you know, in, in in between this group and that group and what they're doing, that doesn't mean that they can't organize. As you know, as long as I mean, I don't think we're going to want groups that are for the police state. But if they're for the yeah. Constitution and the Bill of Rights and against the police state, then they they probably have more in common at this juncture than they do uh, in in conflict. Yeah. <coughs> who doesn't uh, want their votes counted? Can, oh, who who's not going to go ahead, sir? Can you hear me? Yep. Um. I uh, appreciate your presentation again. Uh, this is Dave Wallen. I'm now in Liberty, Hi, Missouri, and I've been on. Okay. Uh, I've been on your Network America site here during the call. Noticed mm-hmm. that uh, I do not know my own precinct since I'm okay. here. Yeah, you don't now, have to tell now, hardly now anybody. I wanted, I wanted to put I wanted to put that in, but my suggestion back to you is your website ought to be able. I ought to be able to put something in, click and 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 use someone else's website that you've linked to so I can do it. I was looking for that on Google, and I haven't found it yet. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. here's the thing. You're right, but you, 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 that's not a mandatory field because I don't think hardly anybody knows their precinct. However, we're trying to get to where – what you're saying is, I think, if you could click to your county 
And then they would have up there, if you punch in your address, it should tell you your precinct. Because that's the yeah, book you can right. buy for $20 like at your county, or at least in Cincinnati yeah. it's $20. I don't, I don't, you I, get, no, one who, no one who signs up on this is, is going to want to do that. It would be really simple on, a, on this Network America because so much of what you're pointing at is, is precinct information, and it's great. great. Uh, just so you know, uh, in 2008 or 2007, when you made a similar call to this with a different website, I think it came in 2000. Okay, now you're breaking up, Dave. I can't. I, I can't hear what you're saying. You're breaking up. Doing the best I can. I'm talking uh, through my Skype. Um, but okay. I, I, I clicked on the. Uh, 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 I, I took your advice in 2008 and 12, and on it became a, even a state delegate. Uh, Mm-hmm. for Ron Paul. So thank you for that. And this kind of reminds me to go back here and do it again. That was in Michigan. I'm in Missouri now. Yeah, well, thank uh, you for, for doing it. Uh, the other thing is that um, uh, I wanted to share, I've already done it by a, a, uh, a putting a posting on my section of this here, but I stumbled across the fact that King David, in his time, uh, to honor God, a man who a, a, a person who was a man after God's own heart, hired 4,000 musicians and had them play the whole 33 years that he was in office outside his headquarters, outside of King David's headquarters. The what? opportunity is, is is to do the same thing in Washington D.C. on the White House grounds through a website called David's Tent DC dot org. And uh, your and your uh, uh, praising group, musician group, can any time between September 11th of 2015 and the election uh, in 2016, uh, sign up for a couple hours and and appear there and uh, and 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 praise the Lord. So that that uh, the scripture says that that God raised up the king and and puts down the king at will. We think we think we vote him in. But uh, and we play a part in it, but he's the ultimate decider. When we start giving him pr- praises for what he's already done, we have a better shot of, of being heard as as a group on your network, America. Well, thanks so for mentioning that because I yeah, I agree with you a, a thousand percent there, and I should have mentioned something about that. That prayer to me is a essential element. So thank you for bringing us to that. Yeah. Well, it's 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 David's David's tent DC dot dot comma org i can't remember i think it's org um and it's a place that that you can participate that in fred just as we did when we were back there supporting other issues wow now where where did you get is that is that in scripture dave about the the uh david having the musicians or did you find that out somewhere else well actually it was on it was on this website that i found it so oh okay okay I I I i think you can look for the documentation there that, okay. that, that makes that understandable. Okay, good. And of course, uh, we ne- we never had a website anything like we never had a networking website until now. I know no, others no, have I, tried. I think, I think, I'm just kind of trying to help you do what you're already doing here. Right. No, I understand. I understand. I just meant we just didn't have this up in 2000. I know others have tried, and I've looked at the others, and I don't want to criticize those who have tried, but they've. The other ones have only done a shadow of what Nikki pulled together here. They just mm-hmm. didn't do it right. There were too many hurdles to get in it or something. But this one I think is fairly uh, straightforward. 
the, the other prayer network that is relevant here is our Supreme Court, as of the 28th of this month, heard the last argument, oral argument, regarding uh, 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 same-sex marriage. And between yeah. now and June, that will be being decided. And I think that that event is probably a bigger event in our nation's history than any other event in our history to to uh, fundamentally change the relationship between government and families is to mess with, with God's territory. Um, yeah, and did you hear that one of the – did you hear, Dave, that one of the Obama um, lawyers said that this could mean that if they if they go with the – Automite marriage thing. This could mean that any church that will not marry two men or two women could lose their tax exemption. And well, that uh, may not I'm be not... considered to be such. I know a lot of people aren't for the tax exemption, but what he's basically signaling is there: we're going to persecute the heck out of people that don't want to go with this immoral. And I, and I, you know, before I want you to continue commenting, but I want to say that. I know that there's a lot of socially people that feel the social issues should not even be discussed because they're a diversion. But in history, in Greek, in Rome, in Sodom and Gomorrah, in other places, often the last thing that happens, you know, before God strikes a nation is the raging of the homosexuals to be real public. And so this decision could signal what will lead to a chastisement, which also reminds me we, we're going to have, if we don't already have them, prepper groups, ham radio groups, groups that are preparing for that, if there is a big chastisement, that there would people people would have some storage food and all that kind of stuff to try to get through it. So go ahead, Dave. Uh, the other, uh, as encouragement for those that are considering signing up on this website, uh, there there's the uh, there's th- this issue. There's a mom and pop flower shop. I think it was in Florida. I can't remember the state. And uh, they were sanctioned by an administrative court. It wasn't even a judicial court for $135,000 for refusing to, to for refusing to do a cake for a, a uh, gay wedding. I think that's and, Washington and, State. And, and 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 the result of that was that in one week's time on GoFundMe.com. One hundred and eight thousand of that was raised until GoFundMe wow. cut them off, and 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 then uh, Samaritan's Purse uh, picked up on that and and is and, and is completing on their own website. So so in this in this context of supporting a righteous government at the precinct level, there's lots of support. Right, there's lots of support. Uh, it, it's not focused yet, and that's the job of, of of what you're trying to organize. And and at the precinct level, if 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 uh, whether whether or not one becomes a precinct delegate, uh, the opportunity is there with this website. So thank you for for preparing this thing. I think it's really neat. I noticed that that three people on this call have signed up, and I, I don't know how, oh, many, how many are on how many are on the call right now. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know. Yeah. How many are on your board? Uh, oh. On the board, anyway, I I can't see them because it keeps going up and down. But um, okay. there's are you are you still on are you still on talk shoey, um, uh, Dee Dee? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's hard, and there we wouldn't know who's listening, right? Well, yeah. Um, that's true. But only only give give the website address again for people, Jim. Yeah. It's www.networkamerica.org. And then on the right-hand side, on the middle of the page, you'll see the six-minute video 
on the right side of the page it says join your national group and then from there you can join the other groups. Mm -hmm. And then when you sign up, you're on the email list and we're sending out, we've only sent out two of them, but we're sending out about, about one email a week. That's what we're hoping to do just to keep people in touch and to remind them to look at their page and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks for your comments, Dave. I appreciate it. And, uh, and of course, I, I went over on the call on Tuesday the issues that could divide people, who, and, and I was begging people not to, not to, you know, uh, not to drop out of participating because they have a disagreement with somebody else. And I went over a few of those issues, but one of the issues is the social issues, um, abortion, uh, homosexual marriage, um, uh, drugs. These are things where there's a lot of libertarians now in the freedom movement, and they're not even going to. Many of them are not going to agree with what you and I have said. But I, you know, I personally, while we're not limiting <coughs> limiting people on the network of America to what I think or anybody else thinks, I agree with Dave 100% that this is a very ominous turn, and um, and again, historically. Uh, once the, the sodomites and the homosexuals rage for for a while, uh, whether it be a few years or whatever, uh, or a decade or even a generation, it, that is usually the last thing before God really punishes a nation. So, uh, uh, the other th- the other thing on your website, which w- would be handy since I post a comment, is if I had a 15 minute window of being able to edit it after I put something in. For instance, I'm looking at this if if I put in. David's tent dc.org and it ought to be David's tent dc.com. I can't change it once I posted it. Uh, okay, now I, 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 think I, I was within I, your capability. Yeah, I was unaware of that. And the problem is, we're having to squeeze out a few hundred bucks here and there to keep improving the website. And I think on Facebook, you can edit your post anytime, right? Or do you know? I on, on one of them I've been on, I don't remember. I think I can't remember, but but. But, I, but I think a here's the point. Yeah. Window, a 15 minute window, window to, to edit is the one I'm recommending. So that yeah, now so I that. yeah, I, I I thought we already had that on there, but I will definitely communicate that to Nikki to see if we can. Yeah, because I would actually like to have one where people could edit anytime they you know if they next morning they woke up and said, oh wait a minute, I should have put that. Well, in. Don't, uh, the only problem with that is is that, is that if I have copied or pasted or done something with it. Uh, uh, then, yeah, uh, then 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 there would be two different messages. But yeah, but yeah, so I, right. we want we want to yeah. have that's that's the reason for the fifteen minute window. Okay, well I'll talk to her about that. And I I thought we already had that, but if we don't, we need to get that. Anybody else on the call? Thank you, Dave, for your okay. comments. Appreciate. It. Guys, it's real easy to sign up for this thing. I, I think it, it has a lot of promise. Yeah, if hey, anybody Brad, wants to... Go hey, ahead. Brad. Yeah, go ahead. Jim. Yes. Jim Palmasano. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Long time no I'm talk. Doing, I'm, I know. I'm doing good, but I'm trying to get signed up on your website, and, uh-huh. uh, and the CAPTCHA is not working. You know, I heard that from somebody else, and they, I hate those captures because I've done them where I put it in the right thing in five times, and it still says you didn't do it right. Right. Um, which browser are you using? The the only browsers that are supposed to work, 
okay? Our Internet Explorer, Firefox, you know, Mozilla, and then thirdly, Google Chrome. Yeah, so if, I'm if, using, yeah, I'm using Mozilla. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try it on Explorer. Yeah, try it on Explorer Chrome. Mozilla, I don't know about anybody else, but in the last six months, Mozilla has become a major problem on my computer, and other people are saying the same things. It really? just doesn't seem to crash all the time. But try Chrome or Internet Explorer, and then there are, the email is info at networkamerica.org. That's info, I-N-F-O. Right. And if you can't get on, email that, and I'll get Nikki to get on it and make sure you get it. But, yeah, that I hate – I'm going to say this is, just, this is just on our side. I hate those captures. I, I yeah, just think they I, are – I had trouble too, Jim. I've, Jim – I just kept repeating to refresh it until I, I got something I understood. That's all. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, yeah, and sometimes went, they went, may... It went really smooth for me. It was a piece of cake. Just well, Dee Dee, that's because you're, you're a woman and you're more competent than the rest of us men. That's why. So. <laughs> no, 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 Dee Dee's special. She's special. Oh, <laughs> oh thanks. Anyway, By the way, Jim, Jim Palmasano was out there with Fred, with uh, Dee Dee, and with Bonnie Brokaw and the rest of us out there at that um, yeah. vote in sunshine. And, Fred, even though that event is over, we got a picture, and vote in sunshine is in uh, many of the videos I've made, and we're going to keep it alive, that, that vote in sunshine banner we made, because <laughs> uh, that banner was, was great. That was, that was, it was your slogan, I think. And we, So, anyway. But that was yeah, a Jim fun was, time. That was a fun yeah. time. I, I want to I go to Sunflower County. Where is that? <laughs> that's in Mississippi. That's where Gene Hill lives. Anyway, so Condit, Condit, glad to see you're still in the fight, brother. Yeah, yeah, and we we I was underground till we got this ready because I feel we we just got to get something where we can organize as well as expose. You know, I mean, path. The first line of our of one of our videos is. Um, Passing around information on the internet is a start, but it's not a plan. In other words, we got to educate each other and also act together. And um, the reason that 9/11 issue is so important is because if they're going to try to put us under martial law, it'll happen. I think from like a mini nuke going off somewhere in the United States, God forbid, and then or something like that, and then they would say, "Oh, we got to have martial law." So. Um, that's why that false flag thing is so important. The, the people are watching out for false flags, and then the people need to be trained to turn on the peop, the ruling elite in D.C. and New York and not on each other, or the sheriff should not be turning on the people. And that's where the Oath Keepers idea is very good, you know, that we're not going to do certain things. We're not going to you know, surround the city and keep food out of it and all the other things that they mentioned. And I wish they would add to that. We're not going to put up with the shutting down of the Internet because that that is how we, you know, that is a, our way that we start. I, I, I think if we could get an honest vote count in some areas, we might already be defeating the, the national media because so many of the kids now and young people, 30s and below, I'm now 62, I'm becoming an old man, Fred, but, but the people in their lower 30s and below – I don't understand how they do it. I can't even see my the screen on my cell phone that well. But but they're looking at most of their media on their cell phone, including TV. So the Internet is starting to overtake the big networks, and even they are acknowledging that they have problems on their viewership. Most of the viewers of the 
evening news on CBS, NBC, and ABC are over 60. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, uh, anybody else comment or question for Jim Cotton? Go ahead. Anybody oh, else? Was that you, Fred? I, I thought there yeah, was somebody else. I'm just calling, calling it out. Uh, okay. Yeah, Jim. Anything you know? What you've done here, and thank God for Nikki to kind of yeah piece this together. I mean, my gosh. I mean, uh, it takes some order and discipline, and and someone to share your vision to get this done. Uh, God. God bless. How did you meet Nikki? What, what, well, what treasure? as I said, she, she was on our calls and watched the vote in 2012. Oh, but she, okay, except I, I kind of noticed she had kind of a unique voice. I didn't really, you know, I, she was one of 50 or 60 or 80 other people, whatever it was, yeah. on most calls. And she really didn't speak up and, and say anything. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't know to, and if she had ever said or called me and said, I got, you know, I'm working on all, but she was already working on lawyers for Ron Paul and she was swamped with other things. And then as I said, she got totally woken up to all this shadow government stuff by the Palestinian invasion. Uh, Cause I guess she knew some people online from Palestine and they were getting really beat up. And, and then she said, when her and her friend said, when we get done with this, then they were going to come help trafficant. And I was helping Trafficant. So that was the next thing they were going to do. But then when she called me for that, then Trafficant uh, tragically died. And yet she looked at it, but she saw the vision. She really worked uh, for three or four months tirelessly. And she didn't, you know, she she did it volunteer, you know, because she believed in the movement and she was able to do it. She's a homeschool mother. But she really went way above the call of duty like a lot of you all did in, in, in at times boom and and she she exhausted herself i kept telling her to work less each day she was working i think sometimes 12 16 hours a day yeah. for three months and she thought it would only take three weeks but you know as howard phillips used to say everything takes longer than it takes and everything costs more than it costs but yeah. she yeah. after about three months she got it together but i don't have the ability in the tech world of the internet to, to do that. I never could have done it on my own. So I needed somebody that was willing to do it at a cost we could afford, which was zero, except for the, you know, paying the programmers. Jim, I've got one question. Uh, and you don't have to tell it to me right now, but ask Nikki what number I am to, for the sign-up. <laughs> ask, ask her what? What number uh, am I? You know, how you sign up on the first, second, third, fourth. You said you had like 80. Yeah, I can. I'm just curious, so where I fall between eighty and ninety? Uh, okay, he's got okay. his Swedenborg hat on. <laughs> oh, okay. This is the this is the numerology uh, awareness. Okay, well that no that that should be able to be told. That should, we should be able to tell you that. Okay, yeah. Dave's, Dave's right behind me. It sounds like. Uh huh. Uh huh. Or maybe D beat Dave to the punch. <laughs> no, you you got on before I did. Um, Steve's on there before me too. No, you were right before. Okay. By the way, by the way, I, I met I went when tra- when Trafficant kicked off his uh, Project Freedom USA up there in D.C. on July nineteenth of of two thousand and fourteen. I met Dr. Sam Cross up there, you know, oh, wow. the, 
the you know the who has been such a uh, informative and faithful caller over the years on Absolutely. on th- this call. I met him he face to face. On with us right now. Oh, is he? I heard his voice earlier. I thought I did. Oh, really? Okay. Let's see. Well, there. Sam, are you on? I just unmuted him, but um. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm here yet. Yeah, I never heard Jim. Yeah. Hey, hey, doctor. How you doing? It was a real pleasure to meet you. By the way, Dee, Dee yeah. am I still coming through clear, or am I breaking oh, up? Oh yeah, you sound great. Yeah. It's okay. Really, all right. Be okay. A great so, archive. so, Sam, why don't yeah. you offer us some wisdom tonight? Well, no, I like to, I like to open up something if it hasn't been opened up yet. Uh, no. About what's what's going on in Baltimore now. You know, uh, we've had Brother Nathaniel Kepner on, and I know a lot of people didn't like his treatment of the ones guests, but. He had a good he had a good video today, and he, what he said is this urban warfare, and it's going to uh, what's going to happen now is this is going to happen in all the big cities, and it's I think there's a plan behind it, and I think there's someone behind it, and I think the ultimate course, the ultimate thing would be to establish martial war, warfare. Now, what, you know, Jaden Helms now is going on in about I don't know seven eight states. You know, I'll know about yeah, Jaden yeah. Helm. Yeah, that's the yeah. Uh, police uh, military exercises. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's the uh, it's the beginning of uh, martial law, and it might be a step toward martial law. And I think this urban warfare. Now, here's the point that was brought up: the mayor of Baltimore was black, the police the head of the police was black, and most of the policemen were black, and. How come Holder and Obama didn't say anything about what happened in Baltimore with the police just staying back while they looted? And mainly they looted the white businesses. And they said this because it was the black blacks were running Baltimore, and so they didn't want to get involved exposing the blacks. So I'd like to know what the people on this call think about what ha- what's going on in Baltimore right now. And then, it's, you know, they started a uh, rally, a protest in New York City, and it's taken place all through the country. So, uh, um, Jim, you have any comments on that or anyone else? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I'll just quickly comment, and anyone else can jump in, and that is that, one, they need a real incident. I mean, I think both the Ferguson and Baltimore were – then they jump on it. But as, as I said earlier in the call um, – you have the agitators come in, and there's an article on uh, TargetFreedomUSA.com on George Soros is definitely connected to funding agitators, or you might say organizers, agitators at the lower level. And then you have Homeland Security, because the policemen are afraid for their lives. They're over-militarizing the police and giving, making them almost into quasi-military operate, you know, uh, things instead of police departments, you have that going on, and then they want to make the police departments adjuncts of the uh, Homeland Security. They'd like to see Homeland Security be the new Gestapo KGB type of a thing and not us have, you know, 3,000 local sheriff's offices, because then that's harder to control when you got local sheriffs and local police departments. That's my comments on it. Um, Yeah, Obama and, and Holder acted like thugs. I mean, they sent three representatives to this uh, fellow who uh, quizzically got his spine broken 
and I don't I don't think they have adequately explained how that happened by any means. But I I finally heard uh, Rush Limbaugh today. Again, I say I don't listen to him much, and I don't, but I happened to hear him today as well because I was driving between 12 and 3. And he he explained that this guy who who had his spine broken was a heroin dealer who'd been in jail, uh, I believe, 20 times, had been charged with heroin dealing, not just using, heroin dealing. So um, the idea that they there's something about they try to make these guys who are Basically, I mean, a heroin dealer to me is the lowest form of humanity because they're addicting. Some people try heroin, they're addicted for life. But they're trying to, Obama sent three White House representatives to this guy's funeral like he was some kind of a great hero. And so I don't agree with that. And I also don't agree with the uh, over-militarizing of the police, which I think they're trying to do. So those are my comments. Has anybody else got anything to say? Yeah, Yeah. also, Jim. Also, Jim. He wants to take away the uh, power of the sheriff. The power of the what? The sheriffs. And the, oh, yeah, yeah, right. The, Obama wants to take away the power of the sheriffs. No question. Women. Yeah, and Joe Biden's – yeah, hold on, Jim, one second. Joe Biden's son in Delaware has taken away the power of the sheriffs, and Sheriff Christie is up there and is trying to fight that. Sheriff uh, Christie, go ahead, Jim. Um, well, John Stanton Miller with uh, Republic Broadcasting Network. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think you've been on it, Fred. I think you've been on there too, haven't you? Oh yeah, many times. Well, yeah. Well, he's he's just lately in the last few days he's become really outspoken about all these city mayors in these larger cities. Most of them are black socialists, and that's where we're having all the problems. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. he, he's he's becoming really outspoken about it. So mm-hmm. I, I and Condit, I think you need to get on on uh, Republic with John and tell him about uh, the network. Uh-huh. And, um, most definitely, we well, need to I, get I, you on there. Yeah, I would like to. I've talked to John Satmiller before, and I I've been on uh, Mike Piper when he had a show, Sophia Smallstorm when she had a show, and. Some of the others, um, I can't remember the guy's name at night. Uh, Rick Adams, I think his name is. Yeah, Rick and, Adams. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, that's a good they, – they have a lot of good information come over that network. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, see, what I don't know if any of you – I watch cable. I Like right now, I have the cable on to my left here. I, in my office, I'm looking, looking at my computer, and to the left I have a – but I keep it on mute most of the time, and thankfully they they now put up what they're talking about. So if it looks interesting, you can turn it up. But I mainly watch that some each day, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, to see what they're trying to get the people to think or what images they're bringing over. And, of course, uh, much more than Baltimore to me – excuse me, much more than Ferguson – Baltimore looked like an insurrection. The police were ordered to stand down, we now know. Um, somebody from Fox, the local guy that was reporting for Fox, a local TV station, confronted the mayor today and said, why did you give the order for the police to stand down? And she just looked at him like he, she couldn't hear him and, didn't, and looked at him for about 10 seconds and walked on. She didn't say anything. But it looked like an insurrection. And Megyn Kelly on Fox said, this doesn't look like America. So I'm not with the – personally, I'm not with the group that says, oh, you know, the policemen are always the bad guys and, you know, and, and they deserve what they're getting. I'm not with that crowd at all. I'm also not with the people that 
like Sean Hannity and O'Reilly that act like capitalism is synonymous with Wall Street because there's a middle ground, which the founding fathers envisioned, free enterprise capitalism, where there was an even playing field. And right now, wealth is centralizing so much in the hands of these bankers who don't do any work. They just basically move funds around all day and skim off of the company's stock and all that type of thing. Uh, they have, for the, according to David DeGraw in his book, The Economic Elite Versus the People of the United States of America, DeGraw says that the top 400 families own as much money and property as the bottom 160 million people in the United States. Well, so, hey, Jim. Hey, Jim, don't confuse capitalism with laissez-faire. Those are two well, different I, things. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, we need a, a free enterprise where there's a, some regulation so that it's an even playing field. I, I, I think that's what we're both saying. Uh, because if not, you get the most ruthless. And it was Pope Pius XI in an encyclical in 1931 called Quadrages and Anno that said, if you have total laissez-faire with no uh, referee, you might say, to, to keep an even playing field for free enterprise, then the most ruthless and the most uh, cutthroat people claw their way to the top. And that's what we have happening now where they apparently have all the regulators bought off as well as they own, you know, they got their running Wall Street and so forth, and the Fed and the Congress. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, you were mentioning about, um, you know, different um, reactions that's happening in Baltimore. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought up about what happened today with the mayor and when she was questioned um, about ordering the police to stand down. Now, what happened... 100 police officers were hurt because they were just standing there and then getting hit with bottles and bricks and things like that. So, you know, her actions not only caused that damage, but 100 officers to get hurt. Now, if she wanted them not to interact, she should have did what uh, the chief of police and the mayor did in Los Angeles with Rodney King. What happened there, they just went away. They were there for a little bit, but then they just went away and let them do whatever they wanted. So at least the police uh -huh. weren't hurt. But in uh -huh. this case, they let the police go there, and then they can't do anything, and they get hurt. So, I mean, how could she justify that? And, and I did see that with the Fox News reporter, and she's just walking and and not even acknowledging his existence, and, and she's walking with Al Sharpton. And Al Sharpton said uh, she'll answer the questions after the conference. But then uh -huh. they, slipped, they slipped out the back door. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, it's, it's just kind of juvenile, the way the mayor is handling it. She looks like she never expected to be in this situation. And just because you get elected to office doesn't mean you're ready to govern. And uh, some of these people seem to feel that, that if they get there, that they're naturally going to be ready. Yeah. So, Hello? You know. Yes. Hey, Go ahead. Can I say something? Absolutely. Who, you might, everybody might want to say first name and state, even if you use another first name, so we kind of know who's, so have some idea of knowing who's talking. But go ahead. Hey, I'm Helen from Georgia. Okay. And I just wanted to kind of interject my take on this whole thing. And, again, I see, 
I really get the feeling this thing is so staged and such right. a false flag that I can't even hardly take it seriously, to be honest with you. We see mm-hmm. the same thing over and over, and it's like this mayor was put into this position, and it's like y'all are saying, she she was just probably put there and, you know, is basically a puppet in this whole scenario, how they, you know, were going to have the police just stand there, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think the whole thing, it just smacks of... I I just can't even take it seriously, hardly. And then another point, when you bring up about the heroin usage. Now, this is a statistic I heard two or three weeks ago on our news down here in Atlanta. And that was that the heroin use has become even more rampant than ever. And that the median age for the heroin addict used to be mid-30s, and it's now mid-twenties, and so I'm sitting here thinking, all right, so we've been over in Afghanistan for how long now? Has it been 10, 12 years? 12 years. Huh? 12 years. 12 years, right. So Afghanistan is where the poppies are grown, right? That's a big heroin area. Right. So we can't, in any stretch of the imagination, consider our presence of the military over in Afghanistan a success at all. Because how is it that we've had troops over there for what purpose now? For 12 years, and yet heroin use in our country is worse than ever? And uh, I think, Hel- yeah, Helen, you're making an excellent point. I think our soldiers have been duped into guarding the, the flow of the Absolutely. poppy seeds. And, 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 and they don't... Go ahead. Go back in the history and read. I've kind of just come up, come up upon this in the past, oh, five years or so, four or five years, reading about the opium trade way back when in the history. What was it? The Roth? Was it the Rothschilds that were dealing with that back in the Orient? Yeah, uh, the East India. The, remember the East India Company? We all heard about company. that in high school. Yeah. Right, right, right. So I mean, yeah. it's the same playbook go over and over and over again. When I heard that, I mean, it just something clicked, and I went, "Wow!" You know, they're pulling the same damn thing over again. So yeah. I, I just. I think it's a good thing that people are waking up and this information is becoming more widespread. And I really hope that people are looking at these things real closely with discerning vision and eye, through eyes to see that this is the same damn playbook over and over and over yeah. again. And it's the same thing with this Jade Helm. I've already been on the phone with a, our governor of our state, I mean, I've obviously not personally spoken to him, but I called them and said, look, I'm really worried about this. Well, the girl on the phone there, they didn't even know anything about it. And I said, well, you might want to look it up, you know. I said, I know our state is not slated for this, but coming (laughs) soon to a state near you, you know. And then I called one of our reps' office. And, of course, the guy there was, um, you know, this guy's been – the guy, our representative is Representative Doug Collins, and he okay. was in the Air Force and the guy. And I'm not against the military. I think people go in there to serve with honorable intentions. I think perhaps, you know, as 
you pointed out, they're often duped into thinking that they're doing a good thing for the America, but it you know are potentially being used in a, in, in a different way. Uh, <laughs> right. But anyway, hey Jim, Jim, guys, I, I'm just going to have to take off the call. I, I don't want to, to to spoil the party, but uh, I've got to get back home. And uh, I just wanted to thank you, Jim Condit, for coming on our call and updating all of us on this well, thank you for and everything that well, you're doing. Hey, and and hey, to, everyone, feel free to keep chatting. I don't want to spoil yeah, anything. Yeah, I, I, have to I want to ask Jim some questions, too. Yeah, yeah. Fred, Fred, thank you for inviting me on, and we'll keep up all the good work you you and you and, and Dede are doing. Thank you, okay. everyone, for coming on the call. Let's stay in touch, and we'll see you next week. God bless everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, now, Helen, let, let's, let Helen, let's let Helen finish first. Okay. Yeah, Everybody I just stay want to finish call. here. I'm getting kind of cranked yeah. up here, but I, I'll wind it down. It just makes <laughs> yeah, me so I'll stay on the call for a while. Yeah, I'll stay on the call for a while. Go ahead, Helen. Yeah. It just makes me so darn mad, you know, to see all this stuff happening in the Jade Helm. And I think really, I would like to see people all over the country calling their representatives, calling their governors, and ex- saying, "Look, we don't want this to happen." Even the military, and this is what I said to them, even the military need to have some sort of restraints. You know, I'm well, not you know, against Helen, the military, uh, but they, they just, this is ridiculous. Yeah, no, Helen, I feel like, no, that's right, no, stay on. I feel exactly like you do. I know these kids are going in idealistic, but then they go over there and they're having to persecute the local population and they're under orders to wake up people at three in the morning and the little kids are crying and the dad's on his all fours and they and as they got a gun to his head and the kids are all crying. And then that's why I think so many of our soldiers come home and are committing suicide or are in depressed because they were told they were going to go over there and everybody be throwing flowers at them. Remember that? In 2003, they said the Iraqis will be throwing flowers at our soldiers, and then they find out that there's another agenda, and we really are the persecutors in many ways. They're not by the will of the soldiers, and I'm not against the military either. Secondly, the drug thing, I think that Vietnam, a major reason for that was to get the soldiers addicted and bring drugs back into especially the white communities, but all the communities. And now I think the shadow government is pushing heroin and crack and these things that can addict people, one use, one use and they're addicted. We have a rural county named Brown County here, which is really a rural county about, you know, maybe 60, 80 minutes above Cincinnati. And the bus driver, one bus driver who drives to the public school there said of the, of the kids he's driving to high school on the bus in Brown County, he thinks one in four are using heroin. 25%. Now, those kids probably, most of them, every week Bill Cunningham is a national talk show host based in Cincinnati. He's on Sunday night probably in a city New Year, near you. Cunningham does a show once a week on this heroin and people dying in the hospital, one person a day in Cincinnati. They say it's a heroin epidemic. I personally, and this is where the drug thing, um, you know, on the one hand, I'm not, I think the drugs personally should remain illegal so that uh, the you know people that want to use it behind closed doors they're going to be able to do it like they have but the kids should not see drugs as legal I, I'm not for the police battering down somebody's door who's growing marijuana on their own property and smoking it but you know there's big debate on that in the Ron Paul movement and in the Liberty movement right now but by the time you get to heroin getting to the high school kids that has to be outlawed because 
of many of these kids once and they're hooked and then that ruins their life. I agree. I mean, I definitely, um, you know, I mean, that's why I, I tell people, you know, I'm 62 now, but you know, we were made afraid of drugs when I was in high school, 67 to 71, 1971, a beer drinking. Yes. A lot of beer drinking it here, the football players and blah, blah. I was a geek. I wasn't mm-hmm. in on all that, but there, I never heard of anybody using drugs in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then now every high school has its own dealer. Marijuana is used underground in every high school by at least some of the students. And I always told, tell people now, I don't use drugs because I'm afraid of drugs. I was afraid of them when I was a kid. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you all, but I have these thoroughly disgraceful, disgraceful sugar binges, you know, while I have cookies or candy, and then I think the next day, why did I do that, and I got a headache or whatever. But I, I tend to be a binge eater. If I like something, I might have it four days out of a week, and then I won't have it for a year. So what if I'm a binge eater, and what if I liked cocaine or heroin or marijuana – then I don't want to get hooked on those things. So I'm afraid of drugs, and therefore I, I – but I know – but this is a not a, – there's a big debate on marijuana anyway in the liberty movement. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine and I were having the conversation just a couple of days ago that, I mean, I'm in my <laughs> mid-50s, and as I can remember pretty much my entire – for at least 40 years out of my mid fifty or if even more – We've heard about the war on drugs. How many hundreds of billions, probably trillions of dollars at this point that we've spent over the last 40 or 50 years fighting the war on drugs, and we don't seem to be making any headway. It's worse than ever, if anything. So, you know, I've sat there to say the same thing. We can't say anything except that it's been a complete failure, the DEA, the war on drugs. Either they're not trying to fix it, or everything we're doing is just complete failure. Well, it's so, like it's like the comment, war on poverty. Comment, comment. Yeah. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Somebody else wants. Okay. Some, a gentleman wants to comment. Go Jump ahead. In. <laughs> hey, hey, Condit, it's Jim. Okay. Okay. First of all, um, as far as this drug deal goes, uh, number one, marijuana is a part of the hemp family. It is a naturally it, it is naturally grown, uh, and it has been since probably time immemorial. And you know, you, you can't you can't say, oh well, this is a drug. Well, okay, it has an effect on you, but that doesn't mean it's a drug. It's not man-made. And, right. And and the uses of hemp. And I'm not talking about marijuana because that's only one strain of hemp. It has medical uses. It has construction uses. It has clothing uses. It has so many things. And it's the highest protein, naturally grown protein plant on earth. It's, it, it has the highest, qual, highest quantity of protein in it. So uh, this whole deal over... Over all that is is bogus. Now, when you come down to when you come down to um, stuff like heroin, cocaine, things like that, well, yeah, guess meth, what? the bad well, stuff. Well, guess what? Back in the back in the day, and I would say the teens and the twenties, it was sold in in uh, drugstores over the counter. Okay, well. Why don't you just say, okay, we're going to put a tax on this 
and we're going to put a a uh, uh, regulatory deal on it so that it's not dangerous. And if you want to do it, well, that's your prerogative. Now, uh, are, uh, but we're going to uh, make sure that we're, we're going to make sure that it's going to be clean stuff, not stuff done in a garage. Now, uh, Jim, are you talking about marijuana or other dry? What are you talking about uh, making uh, it? A- everything else. I mean, marijuana is harmless. It's freaking uh, harmless. No, it's not harmless. It's not harmless. Okay, okay. Anyway, I wanted to get into Jade Helm. Yeah. And here's how I look at Jade Helm. Okay, you want to train our soldiers in a urban atmosphere. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. So, what country are we getting ready to invade? that requires the training. Otherwise, who are you training for? Right. That's my question. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think they bring that up in the um, Gary Franchi video that we got on uh, Network America. Well, you know, I mean, who are they training for? I mean, there's got to be somebody... There's got to be somebody that they're training for. Otherwise, they wouldn't be training for it. Yeah, did you hear what Dr. Sam said? He just said they're training for the United States. Right. i just like to see it all dialed back. I mean, I, I don't think it should take place. I think if enough people complained in their states and said, we do not want this happening in America, this has no place, uh, even the military need to have some sort of restraints, and I'm sorry, we're just. And I think every governor of those, all those states should stand up and say, "No, I'm not going to allow this here in my state. We do not want this here." And and I think the time is now for us to stand up because if they push this through, like it's said, I mean, the next step, martial law. This might even well, be the step, well, martial ma'am, law. Ma'am, ma'am. Uh, it, this is several years back, but uh, when uh, when the uh, MIAC report came out, and it was it was uh, naming uh, Ron Paul supporters, constitutionalists, anybody that believed in the Bible, blah 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 blah, they were naming us as as potential terrorists. Well, here in Missouri, a group of us went up to the state. We went up to the Capitol. And we confronted every senator and every representative, and they didn't know anything about it. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, when well, we confront, but when we confronted the state patrol, they wouldn't talk. They just refused to talk. And then we confronted the governor, and he wouldn't even come out of his office. <laughs> hey, uh, um, Jim, three- yeah, yeah. yeah. Doctor Sam, before you start, yeah. let me just say to Helen and everybody, this is why I get on Network America, and we'll let's say we would eventually get sixty thousand or a hundred thousand or six hundred thousand people. Something like Jade Helm came up, we could post an article, email everybody to contact their councilman and their governor and so forth, and then we could move as a great army of people instead of just isolated here and there. So that's another reason for Network well, Jimmy, America. To, yeah. Jimmy, 
Jimmy, are you are you hooking up with like Oath Keepers and those uh, there's uh, well-regulated American militias? I think that you know we're trying up. to. Anybody that can help us hook up with them, and I'm glad to get on conference calls or get on their conference calls. They're all welcome in. They can all all start their own Oath Keepers or whatever. Yeah, you know, this is who we need to hook up with, no question. Well, what about uh, a campaign of liberty? Are they even listening? Well, they probably don't know we exist maybe uh, at the headquarters, but we'll we'll gladly work with them. If they were doing this, we never would have had to start one, but they are not letting well, the people talk to each other. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Uh, and this so, is yeah. called NetworkAmerica.com? Or, dot org. Garden dot org. Yeah. Hey, hey Jim, uh three things. Uh number one is uh the remember the opium wars in China and there was a Jewish family that was growing the opium in um, India and shipping it to China. This this is in the nineteenth century. And the emperors tried to break the opium war break the opium from coming into the country and the British sent the troops in to keep the opium coming into the country. I don't remember that. It was called the Opium Wars in China in the 19th century. Now, number two is the, uh, listen to this. Uh, I had an email. There are about 24 uh, illnesses that medical marijuana can be used for. And guess who has the patent for these illnesses? The medical use of marijuana. The FDA. The government. <laughs> the government has the a FDA. patent for the medical. Yeah, right. The government has a medic, has a patent for using these medical marijuana for treating these twenty four illnesses like multiple sclerosis and some other, some other things. Hmm. It's a freaking joke. I'm back. I'm, I'm back it on. Just, uh, by the way, this is Jim Cotton. I'm sorry. Did you just miss that? I just missed whatever was said because I my okay, I called ahead. back in I I called back in on a landline because that cell phone seems to disconnect about every hour. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, I thought, go ahead. Okay, go. Who was talking? Yeah, Jim. I was talking about the uh, opium wars in China. The Jewish family in India grew the opium shipped to uh, China in the, in the 19th century, and then they uh, they sent the British troops into keep the opium flowing into China. That was in the 19th century. You called the opium right. wars. Yeah. Right, right. But then I brought up medical marijuana, Jim. There's about 24 diseases that can be treated with medical marijuana. And guess who has the patent for it, for all these diseases? The government has the patent. Wow. Now, yeah. does medic, does marijuana does help certain medical conditions, right? Yeah, but multiple sclerosis and no, other things, no. too. No, let's clarify. Mm-hmm. Let's clarify. Okay. Um, a, a hemp plant is uh, the the marijuana plant is is one strain, right? Right. Of the hemp plant, okay, just one strain. But in in the standard hemp plant, it has properties. Uh, the the ingredients of the properties can cure diseases. And they are isolating that. That's what they're doing in in Colorado right now, uh, big time, big time. They are isolating the cannabinoids that are helpful to the human body. Right. 
I mean, this this little girl out in Tennessee or Kentucky or what that was having like 250 <laughs> seizures a week, and they put her on CBD, which is cannabidiol, which is only one of the cannabinoids. They isolated it, and they gave it to her, and within weeks they got her down to one um, one seizure a week from 250. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that that's huge. That's huge. It, yeah, the government has a patent, though, on all these diseases being treated well, with marijuana. You, well, you can't patent it, and and we nobody should be looking for a patent. This should but be got open territory to the people. I know, but they have the patent. I'm telling yeah. you, they have the patent for it. Yeah. So yeah, they why don't they well, no, well, they say they have the patent. If we want to honor it, but if you can grow it in your backyard. Who needs the damn patent? I know they can use the oil for treating cancer. I know, but it'd be considered illegal. And uh, you know, but well, that's why that's why Jim Condon's idea is prevalent. Yeah, because we take it over and we say, no, you're not going to pass any laws on this because it is a naturally grown plant. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I don't think that anybody like Monsanto has patented certain for certain seed high. I don't think anybody should be allowed to patent anything in nature. That's absurd. It's kind yeah, of like it's the, absurd. Yeah. yeah have, have you, it's it's yeah. like it's like the it's like the water wars. Like like uh-huh. like Nestle wants to take over control of water. Are you kidding me? It have rains. you ever heard do you have you ever heard that um and this is, again, the criminal element, even though this is a trivial matter in a way. A few years ago, something changed in the patent office, and somebody has now patented the tune Happy Birthday. So you'll rarely hear Happy Birthday on a TV show or anything anymore because they got to pay a royalty. Well, this is absurd. I mean, that's been around for hundreds of years. Then you have some people are getting patents on phrases. <laughs> Donald Trump, if you might remember, tried to – tried to patent the phrase you're fired on the apprentice mm. i thought that is the most absurd thing i've ever heard you know if if we can uh, patent phrases that have been in use for centuries what i mean this is just greedy it's the same type of thing as them wanting to tax us tax us for the air we breathe well on the cap and trade mm-hmm. and dan thompson it's not a patent it's a trademark yeah <laughs> and it has to be trademarked under certain um, products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you would have okay. to pay for that because you can't patent common words like that. Okay. Who was just talking? It's Nikki Nelson. Nikki, you're on the phone. Hi. Hi, Jim. Hi. Well, um, I want to Nick- preach it to the world. I want to preach it to the world that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna patent this. Or trade market, uh-huh. dumbass, dumbass. Uh, hey, 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 Jim. Uh, yeah, Sam. Did, Dr. Sam wanted to talk here. Nikki, yeah, let me did, ask you. Did you ever? Did you ever hear of Ibogaine? No, just one What's second. That? I wanted to say to Nikki, if you, I don't know if you're just joining the call, but we've been taking your name in vain throughout the call. So. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't hear it once. I've just been hearing about the. Um, uh, medical marijuana and whatnot. No, no, and Fred, Fred is going to have you on as a guest when the other things are ready. I, I didn't tell oh, you great. what works, but he's interested whenever you're ready to announce them. Now, um, this is Dr. Thanks, Sam. Fred. 
know, Fred Fred hung up. He had to go, but yeah, he, uh, Steve, I think, is still recording the call. But Dr. Sam Cross out of Pennsylvania wanted to bring up a few things, so why don't you go ahead, yeah. Doctor? Okay, I got a couple oh, things. Okay, hi, Nikki. Yeah, I want to talk about Abigain real briefly. You ever have you, you ever heard of Abigain? How do you spell it? O G A I N E. I B is in Bob. Yeah, B O G A I N E. Never heard of it. It comes from the uh, roots of a tree in West Africa. Okay. And, okay. And it's yep. being used in Central America, south of the border here, and it's it can be it can cure addiction, drug addiction. Oh, I. I Yes, uh, doctor. I did not hear that under that name, but I have a friend in California who went down to that clinic, and yeah. uh, he says that he says that. Let me just say this, then you respond. He said that he watched some people who were heroin addicts, and they have 24 hours of hell, but then they're cured of their addiction. And then right. he said he, he tried it because he wanted to see. Well, he wasn't addicted to anything, so he hardly felt anything in the 24 hours, the first 24 hours. Yeah. And, but the, the FDA how, won't how release does, it. How does it work? I, I don't know how it works, but you, you go on the Internet, and uh, you, if you Google Ibogaine, you could get the whole story on it. I now think did there's you, a did you place say called Ibostart. Did you say that the FDA has outlawed it? They won't release it in this country. Uh-huh. But I want those to cure a drug addiction, a hardcore uh-huh. drug addict. Yeah. Well, now, see, that's that's another thing. If we get a big network going, health freedom. And we've got a pressure. Yeah. we got to expose to people through the Internet and the reasonable access law that that exists. And we should demand, you know, we could demand that it come be allowed into the country. And then even if they didn't allow it in, people could go down and get it themselves and bring it back in. Because that's that's an important thing, because we have a lot of addicts now in this country. And regard, forgetting for a minute the argument of whether... <laughs> What should be legal and illegal? I think the shadow government wants to addict as many people as possible in this younger generation of heroin and crack and that because they think that if they get enough people addicted, enough people are made into autistic children through vaccines, that they're going to be able to take over the world in that generation, and then they'll exactly. quit. Then they'll quit addicting people because they want nice alert slaves. Exactly, and also, uh, yeah, and. Uh, Remember the CIA, Mena Airport. Yep. And Mena, I, I don't, we have to remember the CIA has been bringing drugs in. You remember the Golden Triangle and uh, during the Vietnam War up the Golden Triangle, they were bringing smuggling drugs from the right. Golden Triangle. Right. And the bodies of dead GI veterans and the CIA behind it. And the CIA was flying uh, cocaine from uh, Colombia, landed at Mena, Mena Airport. Yep. So the government's behind bringing drugs in it, too. Right. Well, the war, uh, Helen mentioned before the war on drugs is like the war on terror and the war on poverty. The war yeah. is on the people in all three cases. Because I would agree, the war on drugs was not meant to stop drugs. It was meant to bring drugs. But for instance, when they went to the schools and taught in the Dare program, at least that's what they called it around here, they were educating people, the kids, on what drugs were available. They. You know, they were telling all the kids what was available. It's like putting, I, I say it was like, it's, this is an extreme example, but it's like going into every high school desk in the, in the country and putting down on their desk, now this is crack cocaine. And then you talk to them about it and say, now don't use it. It feels really good when you use it, but don't use it because you'll become addicted. The next morning, one-third of the high school students in the United States would be addicted to crack cocaine, you know. Right. So one of the ways to act like you're opposing something 
but to promote it is to educate kids on all these dangerous drugs and act like you're trying. And, and the policemen may have even been sincere, but to me, the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on terror are all the war on the people. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, uh, here... not to change the subject. Oh, go ahead. Someone will comment. I was just going to say, I looked this up. I've got this book, The Synagogue of Satan, written oh, yeah. by Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, and that was kind of where I first ran across the uh It was Sassoon. The, um, in 1830, it's listed, David Sassoon, a Jewish banker of David That's Sassoon and yes, company, Sassoon. with branches in China, Japan, and Hong Kong, uses his monopoly of the opium trade in this area on behalf of the Rothschild-controlled British <laughs> government to traffic yep. 18,956 <laughs> chests of opium. This earned millions of dollars for the Rothschilds and the British royal family. That was in yep. 1830. Yeah, by the way, there's a... Fi- for people that like videos, YouTube has a five-hour video of that same book, Synagogue of Satan, with A.F. Hitchcock. And mm-hmm. it's got a few little errors in it, but it is really excellent, especially for people that have maybe are new to all this, because it goes through, not everything, but it goes through year by year uh, what was happening. And <clears throat> the let me just, if I could, just real quick comment on, and you got to give these, you know, they say give the devil its due. <clears throat> these Rothschild bankers have really been good for their evil purposes. I shouldn't say good, but they've been effective for their evil purposes, and they've really been ahead of mankind. But now it's time we're catching up, and their reign has got to come to an end, and uh, uh, and and I believe it will at some point. But the uh, you know the the during the Spanish most people aren't aware of this, and this could start a big debate. But the Spanish Inquisition, which has got a terrible name in the modern world. That was because the it became known, and the people went to uh, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand and said, "Look, we got a lot of Jewish people pretending to be Spaniards and pretending to be Christians, and they're betraying us into the Moslems. The, Jew, the Jews, at least a certain faction of the Jews, and was trying to betray Europe into Moslem hands. Okay, so that's what the Inquisition was about. It was 1492. It ended. It was 25 years before Martin Luther even began Protestantism." So it was nothing to do with Protestantism. And they were trying to figure out who is a real honest patriot and who is is pretending to be a patriot and a Christian to betray the country. And and, and one writer I saw, a historian, said, <clears throat> if it wasn't for Queen, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, uh, you know, we've been coasting on what they did for 500 years. And now the coasting is over because now they've allowed – if the same Jewish network has allowed the Muslims to get so prevalent in Europe that Europe is going to become a Muslim country within 30 years or something at the rate we're going. So, okay, so then when they got kicked out of Spain, the Rothschilds moved up to, or the bankers moved up to Holland, and they stayed there for about 130 years, and then they sent Cromwell. We always know about their agents in our history books. They make them famous, like Cromwell and Bismarck. So they sent Cromwell over to England, and Cromwell you may remember, just sent the parliament home. He brought in the guns and pointed at them and said, you're going home. And then he installed the Rothschilds in England, about 50, I think it was 1550 or so. And then they built that little three-mile area called the city, where they still run the world, some of the world finance out of. And then Britain, uh, because of the knowledge of these bankers of how to create money and make, everything, you know, make it possible for everything to happen, then... Uh, then, then England became the world power until World War II, and then the bankers moved everything 
over here to the United States. And and that was why I was talking about money before the, the Greenspan and this Yellen lady and uh, and and Bernanke and all the people behind them, the Goldman Sachs and all that. They understand that you can issue money about equal to goods and services, but they're skimming all the money off the top and taking over the world with it. We need to kick them out. This is what Trafficant was advocating: kick them out, replace them with an honest money making system, and then issue money interest free to. Uh, about equal to goods and services, and 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 then we could end this reign of 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 malfeasance of the of the Rothschild bankers. Uh, they they could have been the greatest heroes the world ever knew if they were serving the people, but they've been fleecing the people, and so and that's you know that that's where we got to get get the vision of of replacing them, and we can do it through enough people in the United States of America getting involved in a network and working together. Hey Jim, yeah. Um, I know this will be hard for a lot of people. Okay. But I would high, but I would highly suggest um, that everybody. There is a YouTube documentary. It's six hours long, and it's called Adolf Hitler: The Greatest Story Never Told. And I would recommend everybody take the time and sit down and watch it, and you're going to realize how much you've been lied to. Now, mm-hmm. I, I've seen about a third of that. I didn't see the other half of it, but let me, let me throw this in about that. Are you aware of the video that I was asked to put out by Dr. Paul Rosnowski and some others who were MDs and couldn't go public called <clears throat> the Nazi-Zionist Connection? Have you ever heard of that video? No, I haven't. Okay, if you go to Target Freedom USA and go to the Hidden History section, you'll see the Nazi-Zionist connection. And we got up there the video, two-hour video on that and three-hour radio show with Christopher John Bjorkness. And you've got to watch that in addition to what you just said because um, Hitler was cooperating hand-in-glove with the founders of Israel. And that's totally... Uh, not well. It's not totally censored out of that thing, but it's not told correctly. And um, I, I just people have to watch both of those together because uh, that well, is. Okay, go, first go of ahead. all, give me that. Give me that website again. TargetFreedomUSA.com. That's the one you know, I said. Remember, I said Nikki consolidated all my websites on that one website. And so you go to Hidden History. That's TargetFreedomUSA.com. Go to Hidden History, and you'll see. A video, two hours and twenty-two minutes, which which is I'm, is is on the subject, and and then there's a three-hour radio interview called Hitler, the Rothschilds, World War II. It's a terrible title the, the guy did, but that that radio show on YouTube has had over sixty-five thousand hits. The last I looked, it was I put up by a well, man. Well, let me city. ask you. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Can you can you <laughs> summarize real quick what how that differs? Yeah, okay, I can. I can. I can. And and again, I am oversimplifying because That's this okay. is okay. That's okay. This is a complicated because... period of history. And let me just yeah. say this when Dr. Paul Rosnowski, who tragically died of a massive heart attack at the age of 69 in 2009, the day before Easter, when he came to me, he said I I want you to put out this video. This is 1999 that he came to. And I said, "Well, why why me? I mean, I'm a virtual unknown." He said, "Well, he said, every well-known person like David Irving or you name whoever, they're either like kind of Hitler worshipers or they think Hitler is a walking demon. <clears throat> demon. 
And he said, the truth is in the middle, and I can't, I can't think of anybody that will put this out. So I did it for him in 2003. Okay. But, when he, but when he first told me what his thesis was, and, and I knew Dr. Paul Resnowski for nine years at that time. He had come to visit me from Idaho when I put out a, a magazine in 1990. He actually drove and visited me in, in Cincinnati because he was so happy to see something going. And um, he said to me, here's what he said, and I thought he had lost his rocker. He said, um, Hitler uh, was cooperating with the founders of Israel and the Zionists. His main goal, his, he, the Rothschilds funded him primarily to round up all the Jews in Europe and get as many as they could down to Palestine. And you'll notice that Palestine was taken over by Israel three years after World War II. Hitler, Hitler disappeared from the stage in 1945. And three years later, Israel was founded. But Hitler was working with the Zionists the whole time and was funded. I, if I say, if you want to know what Hitler's original job was, why the Rothschilds backed him, uh, it, he was to round up as many Jews as possible in Europe and get them down to Palestine for the takeover of Palestine, which happened in 1948. And thirdly, Rosnowski said, when we get done researching, this is 1999 now, I'm thinking he's gone crazy, he said, when we get done researching, we're going to find out that all the top Nazis were either part Jewish or were married to Jewish women. Right. And I thought he was crazy. He was correct, though. He's correct. And, uh, um, and he, Hitler was, was, was part Jewish himself, although that I can't say is 100% proven because Hitler destroyed all his own birth records. I mean, so is, the establishment is really protecting uh, anybody getting at Hitler, even when then and now at his real background – because uh, there was a book uh, put out by, uh, or excuse me, there was a, a, a so the, the summary, let me say one other thing about the Austrian government report on Hitler uh, that came out in 1933. But Hitler, if I had to summarize Hitler, here, let me just do the summary, I didn't finish it. Hitler was funded by the Rothschilds to round up all the Jews of Europe and get as many as possible down to Palestine. He also signed the transfer agreement with um, with uh, the, the Zionists in Palestine, where they would get a profit off of all the German goods. In other words, there was, a, I think, a fake boycott against Germany, and then that gave him an excuse to sign. So every time the German goods were sold to many countries, they went through the Zionists in, 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 pa in Palestine, and so it's like the, the Zionists yeah. got money yeah. off of every, every product to fund the Zionist movement. And do then you, Hitler... Then you, it, one do you actually believe that? It's it's unquestioned. You can't it's when true. you look when you look into this. The, 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 most of this stuff is based on Jewish historians and Jewish scholars. It, now it's I've true. had I've had I've had Nazis and, and and white supremacists say to me, I don't believe anything in your video because half of your authors are Jewish authors. And I say, well, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You can check facts. I mean, you can check what these guys say from other sources. Well, I, but this is the kind of idiocy I run into when I'm debating these things. But there's a whole book called The Transfer Agreement by Edwin Black. Okay. Yeah, but that's called the Havar Agreement, Jim. Havar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, let me say this though. Hitler did. Okay, Hitler. So, so, okay. So, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Couple, couple questions. Number yeah. four. The Balfour. Uh, declaration. Yeah, that yeah. was, yeah, that was that was signed by a Jewish guy in uh, that's in Synagogue of Satan video and book. Uh, Balfour was a Jewish uh, guy who was in in office in uh, Britain, and he signed that agreement that if um, 
the, the the Jewish network, and again, I let's separate that from every Jewish person because there's a lot of Jews like. No, and I get that. I get okay, that. so we're talking that. about the the Rothschild Jewish network as opposed to the average Jewish person who who was abused in World War Two. I mean, the average per, the average little Jew in Europe was rounded up. They never saw their family pictures again. Never saw their house again. Many of them died of disease and whatever. Uh, starvation at the end of the war. So uh, th- th- this is this top-level Rothschild Jewish network. They said, you, sign, you, you Britain, agree to give us Palestine, and we'll get the United States into the World yeah. War I. So that was real. That was real. Declaration. That was real. Yeah. But Britain really did not help the Jews much in, in, in Palestine. They really didn't help them much. And Menachem Begin joined the fascists in Italy. But let me finish on the summary real quick. Hitler and Stalin, believe it or not, both tried to tried to redirect what the bankers were doing. And Pat Buchanan's new book on that, which is a few years old now, he got fired. Well, he's on the outs with a lot of people, but his book is called Hitler, Churchill, or Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War. If you don't have that book, Buchanan, as always, doesn't go quite as far as Dr. Sam and I are saying here, but he he goes as far as he can with documented sources, and, and again, it's called Hitler, Churchill, and the Unnecessary War. And one of the things that Dr. Riznowski told me back in you know, 99-2000 when he was trying to educate me on all this, he said, if you want to see why people like Hitler, look at right before World War II. Hitler was doing everything he could. Hitler realized he was the odd man out. He realized that Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt were ganging up on on him, and so he tried to stop World War II. I used to think Neville Chamberlain was a bad guy. Now I think Chamberlain was a good guy. They were trying right. to stop the 50 million people that eventually were getting. Hitler felt he was like Michael Savage. He felt, hey, I can run the world better than these bankers. He felt he could do a better job, and he didn't see why he he was only 49 when when World War II started. You know, I'm now 62. He was only 49 years old, and he was thinking, why do, why should I be shuffled off the stage? I'm smarter than the rest of these guys. So uh, Hitler did try to divert things away from the way they were going, but he, he always failed because he was too outflanked, and he eventually saved himself. Rather, I mean, he eventually, I think he always fell in line, uh, and, and we discussed that with uh, Bjorkness on that three-hour okay, thing. Okay. So that's kind of the okay. summary, summary. That's the summary. Okay, two points. Number num, number one, um, uh, world Jewry officially declared war on Germany in the New York Times. Yeah, let me let me address that. Let me address that because I that was Samuel Untermeyer, who was a powerful Jewish businessman. He gave a speech when Hitler came to power in 1933. I think that same month, he gave a speech that said, "Boycott Germany. We must declare war on Germany. Boycott Germany." Okay, now. Let me suggest to you that while Untermeyer may have been totally sincere in his hatred of Hitler uh, and maybe didn't understand the whole plan, that was the pretext, that boycott, which was not that effective. If you look at the historians, they say that was not that effective. The German goods were so good, most people wouldn't boycott them. They wanted them. But that gave Hitler the pretext to sign the transfer agreement with the Jews, the Zionists in Palestine so that he could allow the Zionists to make you know twenty percent on all the German goods. In other words, the, the ruse was this, and I I challenge people. Somebody okay, wait, should, wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, Jim. Let me finish one thing on this. I challenge people. Find me a speech where Hitler complained to the German people about the transfer agreement. He never even brought it up. 
but he, but in effect, if if Poland wanted some German goods, they would say, okay, because of the boycott, you, you, you got they went through the transfer agreement, and then the the, the Zionists in Palestine got twenty percent of the money for the German goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's called the Havar transfer. Yeah, H A A V A R A. Did you want to? That was in that six-hour tape, videotape that he was telling you about. Adolf Hitler, the greatest story never told. You have to, you have to watch that. And you know what happened, Jim? Uh, after World War Two, guess who? Guess who takes over all the finances in Germany after World War Two? How about the Rothschilds? Rothschilds, Goldman Sachs, and the Federal Reserve—they got control of all the finances in Germany. Well, yeah, and not only that, no surprise the, there. <laughs> yeah, not only not only that, I.J. Farben, which was run, I believe, as a Jewish company, they're the ones that provided so much of the fuel for the uh, Nazi war machine. Yeah, it was yeah. a ger- German, definitely I.G. Farben, and something I uh, uncovered, I believe I.G. Farben eventually kind of worked its way. Uh, it was a chemical co- company, and they they produced the Zyklon B that they gassed the Jews with. Except and I believe Helen, that. Eventually... Well, the main the main the main point that I got out of the documentary mm-hmm. was that was that Adolf Hitler. Uh, in conjunction with the National Socialist People's Party, whatever they called it, not the Nazis. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that, that that was a phrase put on them by the Ashkenazi Jews. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, the main thing is that he took a country that was starving. From the Weimar Republic that was put down by the Allies after World War One, right and in three years, three years, they became the most prosperous country in the world because he took them off the bankers. Right. right. Now let me let me say this though, Jim, because I, I these are all apparently excellent. I mean, I, that's true. What what Jim is saying is true. Germany rose faster between 1933 and 1939 than probably any country in history. Hitler took, did not have gold, so he just did what I was talking about earlier. He issued the money against the goods and services. If they had the German workers, which were some of the best workers in the world, and they had the raw materials, and they needed highways. Then they built them. Hitler issued the money, and they built them. And that's what we should do in this country. But I don't see why we should call it socialism because it doesn't need to be socialism. But here's the thing, though: Hitler was shown about money by a guy named Rosenberg, who was from Russia. Okay, and the, he was shown about money, and so he did issue this money. And the bankers, at least by some accounts, they didn't totally like it. But on the other account, maybe Hitler. In other words, what Hitler did is he. The Germans were smashed after the Versailles Treaty. They were humiliated, and here comes Hitler, and he's giving these tremendous speeches, and the Germans are getting, okay, this guy's speaking up for us again. He's our national pride, and blah, 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 blah. But that made the Germans so loyal to Hitler that, that, that they followed him anywhere, and he made some really questionable uh, military decisions during World War II, and the Germans have been enslaved ever since. So... I'm not. That's a big subject in itself. But you know, you know about how Hitler had the British bottled up at Dunkirk in 19, I think it was 1940, 
and he let them all, instead of taking them all captured, that would have ended the war. Britain could not have gone on without all the people he captured at Dunkirk, and he let them all go. That's a, that's a well, first. He, that, yeah, no, that's he because, sent Rudolf Hess in, too. That's because, every, that's be, that's because every he sent Rudolf he Hess to Britain. He wasn't an evil man. Well, wait a minute. He wasn't what, an evil man. Well, wait, why did he let, why did he let them go? Why did he let his, the British go at that point instead of keeping them captive? Because he didn't want to keep war with them. Yeah, but let me let me answer that, Jim. Because I, the, the, I've run, you know, these are all this party line, the Hitler party line. What you're you're saying here, okay? Hitler gave speeches when he came to power in 1933. He came, him and Roosevelt came, both came to power in March of 1933. Okay, and I got to say something about IBM and Hitler in, in a second. But Hitler gave all these speeches, and what were the speeches? The speeches were the Jews run the world, the Jews run Britain, the Jews run the United States. Okay, now true. He, now the 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 the, uh, the, the uh, German army uh, under a, I think his name was Gunderson, a general, was was um, going um, uh, was 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 going towards Dunkirk, Dunkirk, and he and this is all in the history written about this. And he starts getting uh, orders from Berlin, stop. He was headed towards Dunkirk to, to bottle up the British. And Gunderson thought, well, these have got to be wrong. Why would they tell me to stop when we're about to capture the entire British military just about that's in Europe? So he keeps going. So then more orders come to stop. And then finally Hitler gets involved, and they already got him bottled up, and Hitler says to stop. And when you look at the diaries of the British and the Germans at that juncture at Dunkirk, both diaries of, of the different sides say they couldn't believe it. The British couldn't believe that they were being let go. But here's my question for the people that apologize for Hitler on this. Did Hitler forget his speeches? He was telling us for his first uh, six years in office the Rothschilds and the Jews control England, and then he gives the Rothschilds their army back? Wouldn't it be more sensible to keep the British captured go in and, and, and arrest all the Rothschilds and all the bankers in Britain, and then let the British have their army back when they were run by British people again? You see? It doesn't make any sense. He would have had to forget that he said the Rothschilds were in charge of England if he was really on the up and up. But Hitler was okay, in deals. Okay. He was in deals, and he was showing the bankers that, hey, I can play ball. Don't push me off the world stage. I can play ball. But they didn't do it. They eventually pushed him off the world stage anyway. Okay, well, let me let me ask you this, Jim. Let me let me ask you this. Sure. Uh, uh, because uh, history tells us that the people that occupied uh, the English aristocracy were actually Germans. Is German Jews? True? No, they were they were German Jews though. Yeah, they were German Jews. <laughs> they, okay, so they were German Jews. Okay, and then and then the other thing that I want to bring up is. When you watch this video, this this documentary video, when you see Hitler um, going out into the public, he is in a convertible, standing up with hundreds of thousands of Germans cheering him on. Right. Now, that doesn't tell me that he was a bad man. Well, I'm not... And, I'm not saying, and and comparing that to our current uh, United States uh, officials, what do they do? They drive around in armored cars. 
Right, right. No, no. Everything you're saying, uh, Jim, I, I agree with you. Everything you're saying. Now, listen, though. There's a problem with the story. Okay, well, wait a minute. Doesn't wait. Fit. I have an article on Target Freedom USA called What Was Adolf Hitler's Mindset uh, During uh, during um, World War II or something like that. It starts out with what was Because I address this because when I put up the – when we got up the um, Nazi-Zionist Connection, the final solution to Adolf Hitler's video and audio – we got a lot of emails from people saying, watch this video. So I, I tried to answer for them, what was Hitler's mindset through this? Now, let me, let me tell you something else. I'm, all I'm saying to you is the Rothschilds funded up Churchill, who was part Jewish, Roosevelt, who was part Jewish. He, Roosevelt was Episcopalian by religion, but he was part Jewish. He was from the Rosenfeld. Stalin, who was part Jewish. Stalin's name in Georgia, Davidio, it means son of a Jew. And ours. Yeah, he was Kazar's married to a Jew woman. He was married to a Jewish too, Jim. Yeah, he had three uh, Jewish uh, wives. Kazar, Kazar, yeah, and then Jewish. Hitler, Hitler, who who was yeah, well, Kazar, yeah, Kazars are you know they're the modern fake Jews, and then Hitler, who was also by all the not proven because they destroyed all his birth records and he wouldn't discuss his birth records, but the preponderance of the evidence says that Hitler was part Jewish. There was an Austrian government report put out by Dolphus in 1934, because Hitler was like Obama. He came on the scene out of nowhere, and everybody's saying, who is this guy? Where did he come from? So the Austrian government, where Hitler grew up, remember Hitler was an Austrian, <laughs> they did a government report, and they found that Hitler's grandmother was a maid in the House of Rothschilds in Vienna when she got pregnant with Hitler's dad. So Hitler was probably one fourth a Rothschild, and that's probably why they trust him with the money. Uh, I think that's a stretch. Well, wait a minute. I've heard the same thing. Wait a minute. I I believe that. Wait a minute now. That's an Austrian government. And as Dr. Riznowski said to me, governments have a lot of resources. But listen to this. Hitler had a bodyguard named Kohler, K-O-E-H-L-E-R. This is in the synagogue of Satan, by the way. He was Hitler's bodyguard, but he smelled that something wasn't exactly right in 1938, and he defected from Hitler's vacation spot in Germany to Switzerland. He wrote a book, and Kaler, who was at one time Hitler's loyal bodyguard, said, and was a German, he said, the Austrian government report is correct. Hitler is part Jewish. And so did, uh, was it Schacht? Who was the big banker in Germany that bankrolled? Bank uh, okay, okay, but was he part Jewish or was he part Kazar. Part well, Rothschilds are Kazar, so part Kazar, yeah. So my only yeah. point is, now again, Hitler was also part German, so he. Yeah, he but loved, why would he? Why would he do everything that he did against that regime if he was part of them? Because he was in, he was funded the power, and he was in larger deals, and he was trying to navigate things. But he really, it, he was outmaneuvered when he tried to divert the Rothschild plan. Uh-huh. He, he was outmaneuvered. All I'm saying to here's what we say. I'm not trying, and this is why Rosnowski couldn't get any of the, the the Hitler worshippers or the Hitler demonizers. I'm exaggerating to do this tape because his his point was is that, and our, my point is this. I'm not saying Hitler didn't have any good traits. I'm not saying he didn't rise Germany out of the ashes. I'm not saying he wasn't a great speaker, a great strategist in many ways. I'm just saying that if you don't understand the deals he was in with the Rothschilds and the Zionists, you will never be able to put together all the pieces of World War II because you just got to leave a lot of stuff out because it doesn't make any sense. Now, let me tell you one He had one of the Rothschilds in custody, and he let him go, remember? Yep, yep, yep. That's another thing. And and, and 
Now, let me say one other thing, and this is a whole book called IBM and the Holocaust. And by the way, Helen, I don't want to cause anybody to, to, to pass out or to fall off their chair on this call, but there were no gas chambers. There was no gassing right. of any Jews. Wow. No crematoriums. And there was, yeah, there was. You got to look at um, look at the debate on the line between Mark Weber and and Michael Shermer on the Holocaust, and you'll start. Or to David Cole, David Cole's oh, yeah. video on Auschwitz. Yeah, David Cole. And, and huh? six million didn't die, Jim. Five hundred thousand died. Yeah, there was no six million. That right. is a uh, here's the, and Helen on this, and anybody else that is, hasn't heard of this, I mean, don't don't believe it just because I'm saying it, but look into it. There's a book out called the. Uh, the first six million or the first Holocaust, and you'll find that the Jews, this is a mystical number in the Talmud, the six million, and they've got even on charts now. Nikki, we may have it up on Target Freedom. where they We go have it on Target Freedom, the ten newspapers that printed the six million number prior to World War II. Yeah, so you have in 1901, 1905, 1907, 1919, the New York Times said in one article, this is the end of World War I, six million Jews Jews are are starving to death in in Europe. And then somebody, one of the more intelligent Jewish leaders, must have called over and said, don't run anything like that again. We can't prove six million Jews are starving in Europe. But this six million number is a mystical number. There were no gas chambers. And when you look at the, you know, for instance, originally they said that the, the Nazis made soap uh, soap out of Jews and made lampshades out of Jews. Now everybody's repudiated that. Even Israel admits that. Is well, no, they did testing on it, and the lampshades turned out to be sheepskin, and the soap had no human DNA in it. It's bull. It's bull crap. Yeah, and, and and every one of these claims. I mean, Mark Weber just demolishes one claim after another that it was made. And this is a whole subject in itself, but I'm just saying that was not uh, – they did put them into concentration. And what you see those pictures at the end of the war is Jews and others in the camps dying of typhus and also dying of uh, of disease. And that's what you see. And there's a the supply chains that gotten disrupted. Wait, Nikki, say that again. And there's supply chains that gotten disrupted yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, the allies yeah. – the allies yeah. – because of the bombing by because of the bombing by U.S. and Britain, they bombed right, the hell out. They the Dresden, they killed the civilians at Dresden and all Hamburg, and they bombed the hell out of Berlin. And they bombed yeah. the railroad tracks. To, Amen. Amen. And they bombed the railroad tracks to the concentration camps, but they didn't bomb. Right. Uh, bomb I, they didn't bomb I.G. Farben. They didn't bomb they, the I.G. Farben. Right. Factory. Yeah. They and, well, and they didn't destroy you know, any any of the Rothschilds' property either. No, right, and the same in the French. And that's, another, and that's another, another point because nobody talks about the actual Holocaust that happened in Russia. In fact, no. I, think Ger- I think Germany saved Western Europe from the Russians. Well, I, I don't I know. I don't know. At the end of well, World War Two, and and, and 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 one more point. Uh, why don't we talk about the Dresden bombings and the fire bombings, and why don't we talk about the Eisenhower camp? Good yeah. point. I agree with you yeah. 100%, Jim. They killed about a million. And a how, many, how many Germans they kill after World War II by leaving them in open fences and not A million leaving? and a half, Jim. million, million and, and a half. half. And that's in the book uh, Other Losses by um, uh, James Bach, B-A-Q. Oh, uh, yeah. B-A- nobody, nobody reports the fact that Eisenhower told the Red Cross, don't give them any food. 
Exactly, and yeah. they had the court. They sent American soldiers back to America who felt sorry for them and were trying to pass them in food. So, yeah, the, there was a million and a half Germans killed after World War II by Eisenhower. Uh, now, one other thing about Hitler, though, I, that I want to give you the things you can look up to prove to yourself that he was in these deals, and that's how he got got up to the top. Uh, Rosnowski said that they did not expect Hitler to be any more. They tra- they 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 trained him to be a great order. Uh, and and there's a book out called Adolf Hitler, British Agent. Now, I I don't know how sound that book is because it really should be called Zionist Agent. But if you want to call it anything, but Hitler was trained in Britain apparently, and they didn't expect him to be any more than a great speaker. And he did end up to have a lot of strategic and other abilities, and that threw the bankers for a loop. But um, but when Hitler came to power, okay, in 19 19- and this is a really important point. I'm sorry, I'm kind of monopolizing the conversation, but this is a really important point. Um, <clears throat> when Hitler came to power in March of 1933, Roosevelt's coming to power here. One of the first things Roosevelt did was close the English, was close the American border to Jews. And I knew that since the 70s, and I really didn't understand it. I knew the Jews treated Roosevelt like he was the second coming of Christ. I mean, the Jews, when he died... The eulogies from the there's a whole book of eulogies of Roosevelt when he died, Franklin, and the Jewish organizations. I mean, you'd think it was the Second Coming, but I thought so. Why for 30 years until Rosnowski explained it to me? Why did he close the American borders to Jews? Well, the answer was this: Hitler gets to power and starts screaming, "Jews are the problem." He closes down every Jewish paper except the Zionist paper. Zionists had been getting nowhere. He closes and jails every Jewish paper and every Jewish editor in Germany except for the Zionists. Now the Zionists start to gain power because, gee, Hitler's scaring the bejesus out of the everyday Jews with his speeches. So Roosevelt closes the American border to Jews. He's not supposed to get in here. Stalin closes the Russian border because it was the Rothschild plan. Hitler was supposed to round up all the Jews of Europe and get them down to Palestine. So as Hitler's scaring them out of Germany and giving them money to get out of Germany and help and offering them to sail them down to Germany, there's a, a, a boat with a Nazi a swastika and a Jewish star of David on the same boat that is, is published in, in, uh, on the Internet and elsewhere and in different books back then. So Hitler's urging the Jews to get out of Germany, and the United States is close to him and Russia is close to him because they're trying to force as many as possible down to Palestine. But in that same month of, Mar- month of March, IBM, okay, IBM's in New York City, okay? The New York Times is in New York City. IBM lands in Germany and starts helping Hitler with IBM punch cards catalog all the Jews living in Germany. Now, were the German people demanding that? No. Who was demanding it? The Rothschilds. So they had the IBM land, and they're working, and there's a whole thick book on this called, by a Jewish author, Edwin Black again, called IBM and the Holocaust, and they're helping Hitler catalog every Jew in Germany. Why? Because the Rothschilds want them rounded up. We have a book in our video called Holocaust Victims Accused by Rabbi Moshe um, uh, Schoenfeld, and he says the Jewish police were rounding up us Jews in Germany and handing us over to the concentration camps, the Jewish police, for heaven's sakes. So this is what was happening. And I mean, so if, if you don't know the thesis of Dr. Rosnowski, that he, I think he cracked the case, why did IBM immediately fly the first month Hitler's in power to help him catalog all the Jews? Why did the New York Times never object to IBM ever? And, and, and Hitler gave Thomas Watson, the president of IBM, 
awards in public. They were public ceremonies in Germany two or three times over the six years from 33 to 39, giving <clears throat> the um, giving Thomas Watson, the president of IBM, awards. The New York Times never objected to this uh, to, 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 to IBM helping Hitler. Now, New York Times is a Jewish-run paper. Why are they not objecting? to uh, IBM helping Hitler round up the Jews because it, they're in on the plan too. And they know that the plan is to get enough people to Israel so they could you know, found, uh, take over Palestine, which was the first major act of the United Nations, which to partition Palestine between the Jews and the Palestinians, the Khazars and the Palestinians, really. And they had, the UN had no more power to do that than if they would have said, we're going to partition Oklahoma and give half of it to the Russians and half of it to the Polish. They didn't have a, but that's what, that's what happened. So, okay, end of my diatribe. I'm just saying, look, I'm not disagreeing, Jim, with a lot of stuff you're saying. I'm just saying, look into the two videos we got there, and I'm sorry that the video that I did is very boring. It's just me holding up books and pictures. And but if no, you don't, that's a, hey, 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 Jim, that's okay. Okay. Uh, would you put out? Would you put out the website again? Yeah. And then I and and, and I want to ask you. Okay. Well, why would Germany go to that extent to make deals to put those people in Palestine? Why? Well, the Germans, the Ger- I contend the German people didn't have anything to do with it, and so did Dr. Poznowski. They have about as much to do with that whole thing as we do with going to war in Iraq. We just all looked up one day, and the government said well, we're going okay. to war. Well, okay, wait a minute. Okay, so you're talking about the unwashed Americans that don't have a clue yeah. of what's going on, and would that not be the same in the state of Germany? Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, the let me. Majority of the people not knowing what's going on. So sure, they didn't know. They didn't know what deals that Hitler and, okay. and the Rothschilds. Okay, I rest my case. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I'll tell you, I know a lady here in Cincinnati. I don't know if she's still alive or not. She was a girl of about six years old in 1933. So she might not be. Alive. Her name is Hedy Winker, Hedwig Winker, and she was from Germany. And she told me directly and others. She said, when I was six years old. We knew that the Jews were being rounded up and taken out of our neighborhoods, but we didn't know why. This was 1933 to 39. So I consider that real first-hand eyewitness report from a little girl who had no axe to grind. So, yeah, it's just like, I mean, um, it's it's not to say, you know, we could talk about this for five more hours and not exhaust the case. I would highly recommend everybody to look at Pat Buchanan's book, Hitler, Churchill, uh, Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War, which only came out a few years ago, and he claimed that if 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 Churchill and them wouldn't have been so hell bent on ruining the Chamberlain Hitler agreement, there never would have been a World War II. Of course, that would have ruined the Rothschilds' plan to have fifty thousand European Christians dead on the battlefield at the end. Uh, and so, you know, but a lot of Jews died, about five hundred thousand, but many, many, a hundred times more Christian. Uh, white people died killing each other in World War Two. Well, so I consider I, I consider Churchill. Churchill is uh, he's an evil man. I well, I agree. And David Irving, if you heard of him, the great historian who used to be yep. Britain's number one historian, uh, and David Irving, who I've met and maybe Dr. Sam has met and others have met. David is still alive, and he's but David Irving is you you know when you meet him, he's like a world class intellect and a world class guy. And he, uh, what happened in 1987 is he put out his book, Hitler's War, I think it was 87. 
And so he turned it in, and, and the, the, his publishers, who had used to give him $300,000 advances before they even saw the book, he was so good. He was the top-paid historian in Britain. So they came back to him, and they said, uh, and I heard him tell this story personally in 1996 in Cincinnati. They said, well, where's the stuff on the Holocaust? And, and David Irving said, well, if you'll show me the original sources, I'll put it in. He said, I didn't find anything in the original sources. He wouldn't use newspaper articles. He would only use the diaries of the key people and the historic and the archives of governments. That's all he would use. He wouldn't use secondhand sources. So they, of course, couldn't give him any original sources on the Holocaust. So he wouldn't put it in. And then they ran in, and then they, that's when he went to war with the book industry. And he published his own books after that and suffered a lot and spent a year in jail in Austria. But he said he was friends with the Jewish guy that was running the book house that he was. So right before they went into the meeting to decide whether they were going to stay with him or bounce him, because he wouldn't include any secondary sources, uh, the Jewish guy who was his friend came up to him and said, um, he said, David, um, by any chance, he said he looked really troubled, and he said, by, by any chance are you part Jewish? And David Irving at that point said, I guess if my name had been Irving David instead of David Irving, I would have been okay. But he, he told his friend, he said, no, I'm not part Jewish. And he said, the guy's face fell like, oh, my gosh, I can't save you. And so he went in the, the meeting, and they decided to bounce Irving. But I wanted to mention Irving to say that Irving visited James Bach. He knew that James Bach was about to put out the the the, uh, ger- the, the books of the other losses about the German, ki- the killing of the German people after World War II, and he went to visit James Bach in Canada, and he said, you know, this will ruin your career if you put this book out. You will it will ruin your career, and Bach said, well, I don't, I'm not sure it will, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. And, of course, it did ruin. Bach is now kind of living in, you know, straightened financial circumstances himself. But I found it interesting that Irving tried to go to uh, to Bach and warn him, at least to make sure he knew that this was going to ruin his career when he put those books out. Those are very important books out, like other losses. And he said to me the last time I saw him, when he came into Cincinnati, the last time maybe because they revoked his passport to either USA, he he said now Pat Buchanan was using some of my sources in his book, but he didn't cite me in the in the uh, credits. But he said I don't blame him, and I wouldn't ask him to because you know he did enough by just publishing the the book. But anyway, so. hey, can I just say one thing and jump? Go ahead, Helen. Go, I just go ahead, Helen. To say two quick things. One thing that you mentioned um, that strikes me as very interesting that both Adolf Hitler and um, uh, Roosevelt came to power the exact same year in 1933. Same month, too. Same month. Yeah, so that seems highly coincidental. And then the other thing I wanted to throw out, I heard this uh, a wonderful interview that was most interesting with a woman named Annie Jacobson on Joyce Riley's Power Hour program several months back. She okay. has written a book called Operation Paperclip, The Secret Intelligence Program That Brought Nazi yeah. Scientists yeah. to America. Yeah. And yes. I, I haven't had a chance to get it, but I want to. The interview was absolutely blockbuster, so I would throw that out there and suggest folks get that book and read it. It sounds you know, real interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very good. You know, I wanted to say something about the bankers. I mean, the Rothschilds back then had more money than governments at one point, and they didn't want to confiscate it because governments used to confiscate money. 
So they set up the Federal Reserve in 1913, along with their, you know, criminal collection agency, the IRS, 1913. And the ADL was created in 1913 to protect the Jewish banksters that had just, you know, hijacked the banking system at that time. And then in 1917, we've got the Balfour Declaration showing the intent to make a Jewish state in Palestine. Then they create the U.N., in 19, about 1948, take over Palestine using their... Yeah, UN was 45. UN was 45. Their first major act was 48. Right, yeah. right. But then shortly thereafter, in about 1948, they take over Palestine using their alliance with the British and the UN. So really, Party A Britain gives Party B's property Palestine to Party C, the Rothschild Zionist Israel. So right. Israel is really the head of the snake of it all. And I think we have to remember that. This all goes back to the banking that's controlling everything. And I don't think most people know that Israel's 34th anniversary of independence coin has Baron Edmund Rothschild on it. And it's entitled The Father of the Settlement. So if people could just connect the dots from the Federal Reserve to the Rothschilds, to Israel, to the Zionists, to, you know, the, the Holocaust, to all of these things, if people could connect these dots, they wouldn't think we were so nuts. Right. You know, they wouldn't it, think we're so crazy. Well, we're not nuts. Now, wait a minute. I think Dr. Started, Sam, it's Jim, Jim. the League of Nations. Yeah, League of Nations. Yeah, that's why they, uh, yeah, that's the League of Nations they had after World War One. But and the, the Rothschilds were mad. The well, Rothschilds were mad because the United States wouldn't join it, so the Rothschilds right. was going to get even with the United States. Right. Jim, was Jim, were you? Yeah. Was who and was it's trying Target to? Target Freedom USA, doctor, that you were asking for, is Jim's site. It's TargetFreedomUSA.com, and he's got a section called Hidden History, and he's got you know the Holocaust information. With you know, even Jim Stone had come forward with the Red Cross. Um, Numbers. He has that document, and it's dated two hundred and seventy-one thousand out of all of the camps. Right. You know, and he remembers when he was in school. Those were the numbers that he remembers being taught. And then they started replacing the old books in schools, and his school was trying to hang on to the old books, and it was a big fight. You know, they were trying to change the numbers. Right. I mean, how much more accurate can you get than having something that was published when it happened rather than later after they, you know, manipulated the heck out of it? Yeah, the Holocaust wasn't really talked about, like, universally until the 1977 series, The Holocaust, which was a miniseries on TV. And you, you know, you really, uh, you know, that was, what, 20, 31 years after, 32 years after World War II, and I guess they felt they could now start having myth overtake uh, overtake what was the testimony at the time, because the Red Cross was very accurate. I mean, they went into the Capes camps constantly, and the first person to challenge the Holocaust really on an international stage was a socialist, a Frenchman, a socialist named Paul Rassonier in France. He was at Auschwitz, and he came out, and he was some kind of a poobah in France that he got listened to, he came out and said, I was at Auschwitz. There weren't any gas chambers there. And that started the whole fight. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Jewish lobby came down on him like a ton of bricks. It's, and it, yeah, we could go on for hours about all this stuff. But <clears throat> Hey, Jim, you didn't mention about Rudolf Hess parachuting into Britain. So they, Germany didn't want to go to war against Britain. Right, right. And, Rudolph, then, and then they finally murdered him at the end. 
Yeah, that's another thing that Rosnowski taught me that I think is true. Rudolf Hess was one of Hitler's right-hand men, and he and Hitler sent him. I mean, I think Hitler wanted plausible deniability, but Hitler sent him into Britain about 1940 after Dunkirk, I think, and he was going to try to get to the Cliveden group, which was the group that was controlling England, the Jewish German Jews in the House of Lords and all that. But Churchill arrested him before he got to where he was trying to get to. And they kept Hess. This is the odd thing about Hess. They kept Hess in, after World War II. Okay, they kept him for four years in Britain in prison. And then in 1945, they took him to a place called Spandau Prison, which was made for 300 inmates, okay? And they kept Rudolf Hess all alone, all by himself, from 1945 to 1989 in that prison when he was apparently strangled to death at that point. He was 80, I think he was about 89 years old in 1989 or 90 or something, or 94. And he, they think he would, they still had to strangle him to death. But so here's one man being kept in Spandau prison for 44 years after World War II. And each month, the British would, would have soldiers 24 hours a day march around that prison in a circular formation. You know, they would obviously have teams that would do eight hours each or whatever. Then the next week, the United States took it. Then the next week, the Russians took it. And then the next week after that, the French took it for 45, 44 years. You have these countries rotating each month, marching soldiers around this Spandau prison where one man, Rudolf Hess, who tried to fly to England to make peace, is kept. Now, Rosnowski said that was a warning to all the Zionists and all the, everybody that knew what happened. If any of you talk out about this Nazi-Zionist agreement, we're, we're going to do the same thing to you. We're going to track you down and kill you or put you in prison like Hess. Now, I don't know if that's the real explanation for why they kept Hess in prison, but I have never heard anybody even attempt to explain why they kept one man in a prison which held 300, could have held 300, and why those four countries marched around, marched their soldiers for 44 straight years around that prison for 44 years hiding, in a row. They were huh? hiding something. They were hiding I've something, Jim. I've never heard that. Everything's a big lie, Jim. It's a big lie. Yeah, that's yeah, all. that's my fr- my friend Gary Jeffrey. If he ever publishes his book, his first tat chapel is going to be "We Are Living in an Age of Lies." But I've never heard anyone else even attempt to explain what Hess was doing in there, unless it was a warning. And you remember uh, uh, Wiesenthal, Simon Wiesenthal, the Jewish uh, Nazi hunter, so-called. He they yeah. always would keep in the press. Oh, they're taunting down another Nazi, and that was another warning to people: you better not be talking out about some of these secrets of World War II. Uh, because they were, and, and it turned out that Simon Wiesenthal was a Nazi collaborator. That eventually came out that in, during World War II he was actually a Nazi collaborator. There was a lot of Nazis that collaborated with the Zionists and vice versa because they knew the plan. They knew what the yeah. plan was, and so it wasn't the top echelon, the, the Jews that cooperated with. Uh, with uh, I'm going to have to get a call from here. The, the Jews that cooperated with the Nazis at top levels were not looked at badly. That's why Wiesenthal never got put in jail for being a Nazi collaborator and turning Jews over to the to Palestine to, to the concentration camps to go to Palestine. So, hey, Jim, some, call, hey, I, I'll, I'll be right back. back I'll be okay. right back. I'll be right back. Hey Jim Palisaro. Hey Jim. Uh, Sam. Sam, uh, hang on one second. I've got to I've got to uh, drop the. Uh, the talk shoe feed for a second. So we're going to keep this going, but I've got it in the uh, talk shoe feed. 
So stand by one sec. Okay. Hey. Oh, I know, no, we're fine. I mean, I'm here. Fine, but it, I'm, yeah, it's a shell shock. It is like traffic. I'm here. A-U-N, American Underground Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.